Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome, everybody, to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is episode number 124. And I am absolutely thrilled to bring back my very favorite Canadian in the whole world, my my raunchy pal, Liz Hersey. How you doing, Liz? I'm fine and dandy, Martin. How are you? I Well, I'm doing wonderful, and I'll tell you why. It's two reasons. One, this is episode number 124, which means I've done this 124 times, which feels a little bit surreal because if this is the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour and every episode is at minimum an hour long... There is roughly 124 hours of me talking, which, um, uh, yeah, just on behalf of uh, of me, uh, really, really on behalf of uh, the world. I don't know who it's. Here's what I'm trying to say, world. You're welcome. <laughs> and once you hit 127 hours, you have to like saw your arm off or something, James Franco style. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm j- just for that. Just for making me laugh this morning with that, Liz. Uh, episode 127. I'm bringing you back. Oh, well then. <laughs> Why not? Why not? You know, see, I, I I say that, but the truth is, Liz, I I would find an excuse to bring you back because oh, you're not just beautiful. a guest anymore. Don't forget. Don't forget. You are an official contributor to the show. You're not just a, an average old guest anymore. You're not just some boring guest who I brought on and regretted it an hour later. No. <laughs> <laughs> Because, of course, in the course of 124 ep- episodes, certainly there was probably at least a few regrets, but I don't have to name them. <laughs> yeah, maybe we, that could be a podcast, like <laughs> top five worst guests of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. I'm, I'll, I'm nominating the guy who stole episode 69 from me, even though he was... <laughs> but I'm just mad. I, just, I still hold a grudge that he stole episode 69 from me because I was, what, 72 was my date. Oh, just missed I it. I know, right? Uh, I mean, I can listen. Uh, episode one hundred and sixty-nine is yours, but I don't. I, I guess it wouldn't. That's really far in the future. Yeah, I just, I just feel like I need to. We need to make it up I'll to you somehow. Time. Watch it be like the week of my wedding or something, and I'll be like, <laughs> Matt, hang on, I'm podcasting on the altar. Oh, that would be. So you should do that anyway. That would be. No, I, yeah, I'm, could, not, I'm not letting a computer get in the way of my pretty dress. It's a not, dress. Well, we'll, well listen, we'll, we'll figure it out because okay. that would be a great pilot episode for your future podcast, which uh, which you're going to have to do because there's no there's no good reason Liz Hersey shouldn't have a podcast that I can listen to weekly or or twice a week if you're really ambitious. I'd listen to both of them. It's the kind of thing I really want to start doing, and like I'm like if people, you know are domineering and verbally abusive enough that usually makes me want to do things. So if people, if people keep telling me to do a podcast, I will probably start one. Okay. Then you, what you can, what can you, you can expect now at minimum weekly, possibly daily, uh, just multiple text messages for me every day saying, Hey Liz, you, you working on the podcast? Yeah, do it. Podcast? do it. Do it. Let's get that podcast going. Uh, and, and, uh, and listen, I don't have to be guest number one, but you know, I probably should be. Yeah, well, we'll see. But, I mean, I'm bringing in someone else for episode 69. See how you like them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fair enough. Okay. okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, okay. So listen, so here's what's happening. So um, I can always count on Liz for a couple of things. One, uh, to, to, to leave me endlessly entertained with, with her stories of, of childhood and raunchiness and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, but two, the reason you need a podcast is you always come up with great ideas that get me really inspired and excited. And then, uh, and then you'll, you'll shoot me an email and say, hey, I've got this idea. It's like, fuck, that sounds like fun. Let's do that. Uh, so today is no exception. So, so part, so, so part of the reason we're recording again. One, you're you're my favorite Canadian. You're number one on the Canada list Ooh. right away, off the bat. Number one of all of the five people who live in Canada, you're number one. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if you had an opportunity to to listen a few weeks ago. Um, I, I interviewed an author named Rebecca Jones Howe, who's also from Canada. I did listen I, to that one. I really liked her. it. She seems like really my kind of girl. Yeah, she's very cool, and, and her book is wonderful and uh you would absolutely dig it because it's you know it's like sexy and raunchy and violent and in all the best possible ways yeah and, and she's canadian so apparently i learned there's six of you but uh, <laughs> but liz hersey uh number one on the list and but just in the world in, in the population of the world um you you're 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 easily you you easily make my list of, of favorite people in the world so, so let's just make that official right now i love talking to liz hersey um, that's number one, but number two, you just have great ideas. And one thing you and I both have in common is we have a, a tremendous, a, tre- a tremendous amount of, of affection for television. Television and is the best. It's the best. And and, and the, the older I get, and, and the more I see sort of a, a younger generation of people who have just there's so much apathy towards television. I was like, oh my god, what's what's wrong? Do, do you realize how? When, like when I meet uh, somebody who's say between eighteen and thirty, or something, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't watch TV." Like that, that I can't wrap my brain around that. Like, what do you mean you don't watch TV? You may as well tell me you don't breathe or, or masturbate. Or right? Maybe they should just be masturbating to watch TV. But you can trust me when I say you can masturbate to TV. So yeah, yeah, but <laughs> we'll get into that uh, later. <laughs> oh, good. I had a, I had, I had a feeling that I was going somewhere, so that's why I didn't even. I was, I was like, I don't have to press this because I know this is going to go somewhere. Okay, so uh, so, well, so so they so, kind of so, do need to press it. That's kind of the point. <laughs> <laughs> just rapidly moving up the list of my favorite people because you're already on the list. You're just moving closer to the top now. Well, thank you. So uh, so so Liz's wonderful idea, which I loved, because again, there's so much wonderful TV. There's any number of ways we could slice this up. So Liz had the idea of she and I reflecting of of television shows that we that we loved and were affected by, uh, basically growing up, essentially as as children. We didn't have a cutoff, but we both, unbeknownst to each other, kind of made the cutoff between you know being born and roughly adolescence, like probably like 11, 12, 13 years old. Right yeah. And I didn't there. include like when I was a toddler, I have vague recollections of like Sesame street and Barney and that kind of stuff. I kind of left it where like shows that I can fully remember. I kind of started yeah. there and then, uh, yeah, right to like grade eight is around the shows I was thinking of. And then last night, uh, we were, we were just doing some last minute emails to kind of prepare for this. And I, I kind of threw out this arbitrary number of like, yeah, let's do a top five, because uh, because the main reason I was thinking it is, uh, like like when 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 you and I talk, we just can't help ourselves but to but to just sort of spill out hours at at, at a time something. <laughs> and if we limit the amount of episodes, then we can at least keep this down to like a three hour episode or something. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. 
but then I, I think we both found the the same thing, which is to boil down uh, our favorite TV shows to five was a lot harder, certainly harder than I expected. It was and I think really you, tough. To, even getting uh, ten was tough for me. But then the but then the, the good byproduct was, and, and again, just totally separately, but we both had the same realization was that if we had to boil it down to five that we were you know we were really figuring out okay not just shows that i loved and not just shows that entertain me but what are the shows that truly affected me in one form or or another and so so that's how we came up with uh with this list for episode number 124 and uh and and because uh because you are you are not only uh you you've, you've transcended the title of guest you are a regular contributor i'm going to let you contribute first okay and so- uh, and, and, and and anything you want to to say to preface both the list and the episode and, you know, uh, and then go into it. And I, the, the mic is yours. Oh, okay. Wonderful. So, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording that it's when you're making these top five, top 10 lists, it's really difficult to rank that. Like what's the best, what's second best, so on and so forth. So I kind of did my list in chronological order of shows and not chronological order of when they debuted, but chronological order of when I started watching them. So there's some shows oh. that kind of that were that came out before I was born. There's some shows that I started watching as soon as they debuted. So it's all like the first show I'm about to mention, I started watching when I was about five. And then it goes right through to a show I started watching when I was 13. Okay. All right. So are we ready for number one? We are absolutely ready. Okay, number one of uh, Liz's favorite shows she watched when she was a kid, Full House. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I have a Wikipedia, just uh, if, you know, you live under a rock and you don't know what Full House is. It's um, an American sitcom that chronicles a widowed father, Danny Tanner, who enlists his best friend and brother-in-law to help raise his three daughters. And that's from Wikipedia that I got that little summary there. And um, this, I picked Full House because it is the first show I remember racing home from school to watch. Like I had to, I was had to watch Full House. I just had to watch it. And for me, it was it was so funny and just addictive. And I couldn't really binge watch back then, right? We didn't have Netflix or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I loved it so much. And often when I'm, you know, as an adult woman. When I'm thinking about these shows that I watched when I was a kid that I just I loved and they made me so happy, sometimes I'll get some nostalgia for them and go back and watch a couple episodes. And best case scenario, I watch it, fall in love with it all over again. Worst case scenario, I watch and I'm like, ah, this is definitely was more for kids. Like I'm not getting anything out of it now, but I remember how happy it made me. Full house. Oh my god. I remember it coming on in syndication when I was a teenager. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember loving this show. I'm gonna check it out. And it is so bad. Like, <laughs> it is awful. It is just so cheesy. The jokes, I mean, little kids find it really funny because they just repeat catchphrases over and over again. And when a little kid uh-huh. finds something funny, all they do is repeat it. So, but I mean, I just I had to watch it all the time. Um uh dj tanner the eldest sister she was my favorite because when i was a kid my favorite character was the person who was the most like me usually the person who looked like me right so if there was a brown haired girl she would just be my favorite all the girls on that show had blonde hair but dj was the older sister and i was an older sister so she was by far my favorite 
So I, um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't no, no I, I was just kind of transitioning to like, you can talk now. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, I also like you, I, I grew up, uh, loving full house and because I'm older than you, I didn't see it in syndication. I, I watched that shit, uh, in the moment. And I, I remember having conversations about it in, in, in grade school, and um, I, uh, I I watched it on on Friday nights. It, it was a it was a staple. It was a it was the cornerstone of TGIF. Was that was that also a Canadian thing or was that an American? No, TGIF TV was definitely a thing. And I, I will get into okay. TGIF d- down the line for for my <laughs> own benefit. But um, yeah. Love TGIF. Yeah, there, there were there were several TGIF shows that I I couldn't I couldn't put into the top five, but they were they're definitely going to get uh, honorable mentions. But Full House was uh, was one of them. I, I I loved the show. I loved the episode. I loved the the, the characters. Uh, and um, very similar to you, not even not even for the purposes of this show, but just because I it was a uh, it was just uh, just the other day I was just flipping through through. Flipping through the channels, and Full House was on, and uh, and so I, I I put it on, and uh, was it um, or was it uh, on Netflix? Might have been on Netflix. It's Either on way, whatever Netflix. it was, maybe it was Netflix, and I put it on, and it is um, it's awful, <laughs> it is terrible, and but but beyond beyond it being you know sort of not that great, I also remember thinking to myself as I'm watching it, like, and in fact, Chanel, I think, was in earshot of me as I was looking at it. Maybe she was on the couch with me. And I was like, there's like, there's nothing special about this show. And yet, <laughs> you know, uh, what, 20, 30 years later, it is still a phenomenon in syndication. Like, young people still discover and they still fall in love with it. There's something... And there's something intangible about this I show. There must be subliminal messaging going on or something. Because I remember like looking at, you know, re- reviews that even when it was on, it was on for eight seasons. And even the mm-hmm. reviews, like while it was going, were terrible. <laughs> but yeah, and it's so amazing because they, they clearly did something right. Because you and I as children responded tremendously to it. As adults, we would have been the reviewers that are like, this is shit. But then again... There's, there's a right now somewhere in the world. There's a kid who's flipping through the channels, and they're gonna hit full house, and they're gonna fall in love with it. Like they did. It's some. It's the, 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 there's this wonderful episode of um of South Park. Uh, do you do you watch South Park? I've, at se- all? I've seen the odd episodes. I'm vaguely familiar with the characters. There's a really really wonderful episode of South Park that deals with um, <laughs> the phenomenon of like pop music, and or just music in general. And how like your parents like hate the the music that uh, that you love, but like you love it. And then of course you grow up and you love your music, but then you can't really enjoy the music that people younger than you love. And so in South Park, the, the, the what happens is um, what they somebody figured out like you hit a certain age, and it's not that you can't appreciate the music. It's just you reach a certain age and the music just literally sounds like shit, and like you can't understand like why does anybody like this? It sounds like shit. But if you're young enough, it sounds wonderful and then they had like some like adults who were trying to pretend to like it but they were hearing the shit but they didn't want to seem like they weren't cool i feel like this i feel like that's connected to full house somehow that somehow there's some age cutoff whatever it is again you i i'm we you and i both loved it and now we we watch it objectively and say this is terrible but we can't take away that we loved it uh, a couple of things oh have you have you watched fuller house i have Netflix? not i can't bring myself to do it i really can't and um you know, I read a lot of articles about it because I, I was familiar with all the actors and the characters and stuff, yeah. but I just, I can't do it. I watched the first episode with Chanel and I didn't plan on watching the whole thing. I just wanted to put it on and, and I ended up watching the whole thing, but it was, you know, kind of like a, you know, like a car wreck that you kind of keep watching. 
here's what might interest you about it. And, and just, just, just so I don't, uh, just to properly, um, you know, calibrate your expectations. It's awful. So don't go into it thinking like there's going to be like some miracle, but here's, here's the redeeming factor. And I don't think they meant for this to be a redeeming factor. Um, it is, it is, um, uh, very sexual. Oh, and, and it's very dark. Really? But with the same tone of Full House. <laughs> I can see what you mean by car wreck. Yeah. And so, like, I was watching with Chanel. I was like, are they, is this where they're going? They can't. Did they just do that? Did they, like, uh, I don't, do you, do you care if I spoil a couple Not of Not at all. Points? Oh, and I think maybe, like, when it comes to spoilers, we should mention, like, I'm, I'm not going to try and spoil anything with talking about these shows, but one of them might slip out. So just proceed okay. with caution. Yeah. So we'll, we'll sort of, you know, we're, we'll, we'll tiptoe around spoilers, but if one, if the spo- I mean, all, all of my shows are fucking old anyway, but still, yeah. even, even still, like, for example, I've, I have, I've yet to see, um, Game of Thrones, but I'm excited to watch it. And so I'm sure there's like some asshole out there who's like, well, fuck it. If you haven't seen episode one, then you deserve to have it spoiled. It's like, no, I just haven't seen it yet. Um, so, okay. So like, um, uh, DJ, you know, she's a grown up. She's got a couple of kids. Her husband was a fireman. He was like killed in a fire or something. And, uh, so I guess it wasn't a good uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's like a lot of death, a lot of like, uh, oh, I, I forget the sexual stuff, but again, it's like sort of like dark and sexual, but with the tone of full house. And so like, I, like, I felt like I was like, okay, they're, it feels like they're they're appealing to an audience who watches as kids and they're grown up, so they want to appeal to them with grown up themes, but they're doing it through the tone of like, uh, the you know like Full House, which would be like for kids, and it didn't. It was like this weird um, thing that it didn't it didn't quite mesh. But I, I'll be honest with you, there's a part of me that wants to watch episode two just to see kind of sort of what happens next. And uh, and everybody's there, you know, uh, you know, Unc- uh, Uncle Jesse's there and Joey and uh oh, and by the way, I forget I forget uh, Uncle Jesse's wife's name. Rebecca. Becky. I don't know how old she is, but hot damn, okay. she is aging well. Okay, honestly, cuz she uh Lori Laughlin, I think is uh-huh. her name. Um That sounds right. She she was the mom on the uh, 90210 reboot that came out like five years ago it wasn't super successful but I, like I remember watching the first episode and mm-hmm. I was like she looks exactly the same as she did when Full House looks amazing on. and mm-hmm. if I can just talk about Uncle Jesse for a second who by the way is also ageless but go for it yeah well let me tell you that I watched this show about kindergarten to grade two and I think the only reason I stopped is because it wasn't on syndication right when I got home from school and, you know, I was not quite the, you know, the biggest hussy in the world yet. Not not the hussy you come to know and love. Right. But, and so, like, I was an innocent kid. I didn't know what sex was. Neither did any of my friends. That being said, all of us totally wanted to fuck the shit out of Uncle Jesse. Totally. <laughs> he was, oh, my God. He, you were like, you were like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do something desperately to him. I know. And it's like, when that happens... I could because I mean that that was a fact at that point you know when you have the kid idealism <laughs> I I would not call him Jesse during this act I would call him Uncle Jesse the whole <laughs> <time>. <laughs> uh you know you want full disclosure I would also call him Uncle Jesse you know if given the opportunity to uh to fuck him so you know you and I again just one more thing we have in common 
that was pretty much all I had to say about Full House. Other than that, also um, kind of kicked off my Mary-Kate and Ashley obsession because uh, they they became huge stars after Full House. In fact, you know what? Uh, Something about that. When I was watching the episode the other day, um, oh, I remember now, actually. Chanel and I, we were were out to dinner, and there was a TV in the restaurant, and Full House was on. So that's – I knew there was some reason it was – It's everywhere. Right. It's, 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 and it uh, doesn't go away. It's like the herpes never. of television. It will never go away and there will always be children enjoying it. But I remember <laughs> thinking like, <laughs> and I remember thinking like, how come only one of the twins is on there? Then I remembered, oh fuck, that's right. They played one character. Yeah. I forgot that. Michelle Tanner. You got it, dude. <laughs> uh, I, I'm also fascinated with the, with all the, the, the actual, like, like, like the actor. So Bob Saget, of course, has spent pretty much his whole career since Full House doing really raunchy stand-up comedy to distance himself from Full House because before Full House, he was a stand-up comedian and he did sort of dark, raunchy stuff. And then he played this dad and then that became his his brand unofficially. And then he spent like the last 20 years separating himself from that brand by doing just like the dirtiest, raunchiest stand-up that he could possibly come up with. Have you watched any Bob Saget stand-up comedy? No, I haven't. I just remember him as older Ted's voice in How I Met Your Mother because <laughs> which well, like why they didn't just have the act it's not like your voice really changes that much from age like 27 to age 45 or however old he was supposed to be when he was talking to his kids see i didn't realize that was the, he was the voice of yeah Ted. yeah i can hear it now <laughs> and also one thing i like to do now that i'm an adult is look back on kids shows and insert where there was really like dark raunchy stuff going on because these were like this as much as the show was you know kids loved it it and there were problems that the kids had the main Mm -hmm. character was danny tanner and a lot of it was you know storylines involving adults and until becky Mm -hmm. showed up it was pretty much like any storylines that weren't involved with the kids it was pretty much like the bachelor all it was were these people (laughs) going on dates and you know every other episode jesse had some new girl over like i mean the guy must have been gonorrhea on a stick (laughs) <laughs> and and so I would my this is has to do with Danny because he was so upset he was the clean freak everything had to be so clean and tidy and he was really OCD about cleaning and I'm right. like for sure he is this really hardcore kinky dom who has to have everything just his way in bed so that's my kind of adult take on Danny Tanner. That's a great take. Here, here's my take. As you were coming in there, and we we were on the exact same road, but I, I but I took a different turn. I think that uh, because he's a total clean freak and a total control freak, and everything has to be just so that when when uh when 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 he's in bed with a woman, he's a total hardcore sub. Because you know what? Oh, I'm, uh, I, I I want no control. I, he he holds on to control so desperately, he gets no joy out of it. That the one time he has an opportunity to enjoy, uh, to have to have joy sexually, he gives up all control and he wants to be dominated. You just blew my mind because I think you're totally right. Because yeah, when when everything just has to be your way and has to go according to plan, it's so nice to just let it all go and just let someone like dominate and degrade the shit out of you, or so I'm told. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, in that case, I think we just cracked the code to Full House. No wonder it's lasted for generations. That's why. It's just a bunch of kids who are going to grow up to be fucked up sexual deviants. <laughs> See, it just took... It just God took, knows uh, why I watched it then. But. <laughs> just took you and I just, just breaking it down for 10, 15 minutes. But we got there. We found it. Um, uh, uh, you might know the actors' names better than I do. Um, 
Uh, well, I remember Candace Cameron. That, that was DJ. And I remember her because her brother is, um, what's his face? Kurt, Kurt Cameron. Cameron, who was uh, on a, one of my favorite shows, uh, Growing Pains. And uh, and so there, so so she's like a huge hardcore, um, you know, uh, Christian, like really really hardcore Christian, and um, which also sort of played in the back of my head when I was watching Fuller House. I was like, oh, okay, I guess she signed off on this. That's cool. <laughs> and then um, and then the the little sister, what what was her name? The middle one. Yeah, Stephanie. Stephanie and uh, the actor's name I can't remember. Jody I know she's Sweeten, I think. There you go. Yeah, yeah. she was on uh, she was on Dancing with the Stars recently, though I didn't see that season. She had a, a hardcore meth addiction. Yeah, uh, I heard about yeah. that. Yeah, and she, uh, she, she came out of that, and she got a role on Fuller House, the role she was born to play. And I, th- I honestly, I think that came from her trauma of having to play a middle child. And I also <laughs> think that if you watch, you know, because the show kind of ends, I think DJ's just finishing high school. This is Full House I'm talking about. And Stephanie's mm-hmm. just starting it. And she's much more of a rebel than DJ is. Stephanie totally had sex at the age of 14. Like, they don't show that episode (laughs) because it's a family show, but she totally did. She, you know, Michelle's all cute and DJ's all responsible and the one who's Mm -hmm. doing everything first. What can Stephanie do but eat a dick? And that's what she did. I can't... See that? See that? That'd be a great episode. Hopefully, they do like a flashback on Fuller House, and then we yeah, can actually the, explore. Yeah, you know, X-rated show that is Fuller House. Apparently, I've never heard that <laughs> take before. Yeah, you have to check it out. Uh, and then also the the Olsen twins. One thing I remember about them, and uh, I don't know how well I don't know I don't even know if you would know about this since you're younger than me, but um, there was this you know uh, creepy adult male obsession with the Olsen twins, partly because I think a lot of uh, young boys grew up watching Full House, so then as they got older, the Olsen t- twins grew up with them. But many of them were older than the Olsen twins by at least a couple of years, and they reached legal uh, legal adulthood before the Olsen twins did. But you know, as teenagers, they were growing up and they were sort of becoming a little bit more you know attractive, and and uh, the media was kind of sexualizing them, but they weren't of legal age yet. So for a time, Liz Hersey, there was a website, and the the only purpose of the website was literally. A, a running countdown to when they turned 18. That's funny. I don't, I, I just remember because I was, I think they're like two years older than me, but they're basically my age and yeah. growing up um, like full house shot them into stardom. They had a couple of feature films that they were in and they did um, so like a lot of straight to video, yeah. like where they were like little detectives and stuff like that. And I was obsessed with, so, I mean, I was an innocent and, you know, here I was just watching them <laughs> be detectives and in the back of my head thinking, man, I really want to fuck uncle Jesse. So I don't know. I didn't, I had no idea about this website, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Maybe afterwards I'll see if there's still some version of it out, uh, out in the world, some echo on the internet. Yeah. They're like, if I, if they're two years older than me, then they're 30 now. I don't think that's allowed. No, no, no. That's, it, that's not, it's totally not allowed. All right. Well, that was, that was a good talk. on Yeah. Cool good House. talk. I, that was a, I, I wasn't even sure how much we we're going to get out of it. You're but welcome you know what? world. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You learn quickly, my podcasting friend. All right. So, um, so with my list, I, I, I also did mine in chronological order, but just to keep it easy on myself, I did it chronologically from the time that the show actually appeared. Um, and so, <clears throat> so this first show, it uh, debuted in 1977. Technically, I was, um, technically I was alive in 1977. I was born December 9th, 77, but. It probably goes without saying I have no memory of it in '77. <laughs> um, it was in the in the early '80s was when I was uh, aware of it. So the so my first show 
in chronological order so no one gets their feelings hurt is Three's Company. Okay. And so Three's Company, it's the misadventures of two women and one man living in one apartment and their uh, and, and all their kooky neighbors. Uh, that's a very sort of bland description. So it's uh, so that so the man is Jack Tripper, played by one of my very very favorites, John Ritter, who still makes me sad when I when I think about him uh, passing away far too young. Yeah. Um, his son, by the way, is a wonderful actor named Jason Ritter, who does a lot of work in the. Uh, in television, so I'm always happy to see him. Yeah, working. I've seen him. He's on. Love, he did a little bit of uh, Girls, the show. So yeah, yeah, he was great on Girls. He was really great on uh, Parenthood, which was one of my favorite uh, shows of the last few years. Um, where else did I see? I see he did a, a his his girlfriend. If, if they're still together, she's like a writer and a filmmaker. I don't know if she. I don't know how pro- prolifically she she produces work, but they did a movie together called. Um, oh. Good, a good dick is what it was called. So right up, right, right up your alley, and um, and I and, and so 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 that movie, it's it's a good indie film. You might actually enjoy it. So, uh, the girl, she works in, I don't know if she works in an adult, uh, porn shop or just a video shop that offers like porn videos, and so uh, Jason Ritter's character will come and rent uh, porn videos from her, and he becomes like really obsessed with her. And so even though I think she works in like this this you know adult entertainment world she's um very very isolated and closed off and he comes really obsessed with like sort of getting to know her and breaking through and um it's a not a perfect movie but i, I don't regret watching it it was, it was, it was very good yeah, so, sounds yeah, fun. It, it might still be on netflix somewhere and he's he's wonderful but anyway his dad john ritter i grew up loving him so he played jack tripper he lived with two girls um uh let's see janet snow was uh was a was the brunette or janet wood i'm sorry who's janet snow i don't know janet wood i guess <laughs> and then uh then then chrissy snow that's where i got snow from chrissy snow plays by suzanne summers they were the uh the, the original three of the trilogy and um it, it was based on a, a either a british show or a french show I, I think it was a british show but I, I never saw it and so um uh the 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 main conceit of the show which is which especially in 2016 just it wouldn't work, but in 1977, you know, it was perfectly acceptable. Was uh, uh, the, the two women were roommates, and they needed a third to help pay for the rent. Um, Jack was available because they had a big party because it was the 70s. Everybody was partying and doing coke and fucking each other, and then that was the oh, 70s. I missed out. You totally missed out, and so he he fell asleep in the bathtub during the party, and he was there the next morning, but everybody kind of got along, and he needed a place to stay, and they needed a roommate, and it was all wonderful. But, Lissercy, here was the catch. He was a heterosexual man, and he wasn't married to either one of the girls, so he couldn't live there. The landlord wouldn't allow that sort of thing. To have a, to have a heterosexual man living with two women unmarried couldn't let that happen. So, here was the hook. Whenever the, the landlord was around... Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Roper, um, Jack had to pretend to be gay. That was the only reason that, that they let him oh. live there is because it's like, oh, oh, he's gay. I get it. He's gay. Okay, you know what? It's okay. And again, in 2016, it was like, why Why can't you just have a roommate? But in 77, totally, you could totally fly with it. I was like, yeah, of course the the, the landlord wouldn't let him live there <laughs> if he was just a straight <laughs> straight man that was, who wasn't married to either one of these women. Um, uh, and, and so that was Three's Company. And so just... Just, just, just hijinks galore. The, the, the word hijinks was was created for for for. And hijinks company. ensue. The classic thing you're not supposed <laughs> to say for your script. <laughs> so I, I absolutely adore Three's Company growing up, and again, it started 
it started the year I was born. Chances are it started a few months before I was actually born. And so it was one of these great things where it was both in syndication, so I could watch it every day. I think it came on at like 7 o'clock every day on Channel 11. But it was also, they also had the new episodes because it was a show that, uh, it, it was a, it was on um, ABC. And, I, and again, I have no idea how the American networks translate to Canada. I don't know if you guys just have your own thing. No, we have like our own, basically it's most of the shows we get are American shows. And mm-hmm. so we have our own like main channels that some, I don't know what they do, but like some shows will be on, you know, CTV or C, like city TV or whatever. And, but they won't be like, Oh, all ABC shows go to this, but we'll still see like ABC in the corner and stuff like that. Got so, it. but Got yeah, we, we still get like regular normal people shows in addition to our Canadian <laughs> normal people shows in Canada. That's I'm glad that uh, Canadians get normal people shows. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate knowing that. So, uh, so as far as Three's Company goes, I I I so I totally adore it, and it's 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 when I think of sitcoms growing up, it's one of the first ones that that comes to mind. I loved all the characters. One thing that happened throughout the series was, um, so Suzanne Summers was like the breakaway, just a huge star. I mean, her and John Ritter were both huge stars. But when I was growing up, Suzanne Summers was a really, really huge um, crossover, just just star. I don't. She never became a movie star, but she was a huge celebrity when I was growing up. And so her celebrity got so big on the show that she was having contract issues that she wanted more money because she was a huge star, and the network didn't want to pay her more money. So, um, so they, they, they wrote her off the show, but they didn't, they didn't write her off the show right away. So what they did, it was, it was hilarious was they wouldn't let her come back onto the set. So they would film entire episodes without her. Uh, but then they would have like one scene where her character, Chrissy was like, I don't know, on vacation or taking care of her sick aunt somewhere far away. They would just have a scene of her in a room on the telephone talking to one of the characters. (laughs) So she was there. But she wasn't really there because they were basically, you know, um, excommunicating her until she was officially off the show. And then when she was officially off the show, um, they wrote a character who was her cousin, who I think appeared for like a season. And then following that, they got, um, oh, I forget the the character's name, but they brought in a new permanent roommate who was just basically filling in that, the, the, the trope that uh, she created, basically the, the blonde trope. She was, you know, they were all blonde. That was the... Because you know they already had a brunette, so they needed to make sure that the other roommate was was a blonde. Yeah, um, blondes were huge back in the day. <laughs> uh, as Suzanne Summers was was huge in, in many many fashions in the seventies, and so uh, but so my brother, my brother Greg, who um uh who just a couple of episodes I shared um you know the the Martin uh, the Greg and Martin ten minute chat hour. So 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 the listeners um should be uh. uh uh, comfortable or familiar with the with Greg at this point. Also, he appeared on a, a three episodes in a row um, a, a few months ago. That when I interviewed him for about uh, thirteen hours or something <laughs> crazy like that. I, I don't know how long we talked. He's beating my record, so I need he to is. catch you've up. Gotta, you've got to catch up. And by the way, what's the, this? Is your fourth appearance? It's my sixth like? appearance. Is it? Oh, that's all. okay. Wonderful. Good. So Good. I'm getting okay, up there, six. so watch your back, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> So when Greg was, uh, so, so when he was growing up, when he was a teenager, but actually when he was a kid, he was, um, he did a, a lot of acting and, uh, and so a lot of theater acting. And then when he was like a, a teenager, he started getting some, um, some television roles. Primarily he did extra work. And so when I was a kid, one of the most exciting things in the world was he was an extra on Three's That's Company. That's too cool. And so, uh, so he, it was an episode called Diamond Jack. 
and it was uh, <laughs> and so in the episode, uh, Jack's best friend and neighbor, his name is Larry, uh, who I always had a. Uh, it, it's it's so funny by just looking at these old shows because like watching Three's Company now. Part of the reason I understand now that it was it was it was it was very funny and silly and you know it was well written but in a in a in a sitcom way it wasn't like you know groundbreaking or anything, but it was fucking filthy and that was that was a big part of the popularity of the show is fucking filthy but you know they would find ways to be filthy within you know the the the, con- you know, the constructs of, of a decency of a on TV yeah and so um so like his his neighbor Larry was just a fucking whore. I know that now. As a kid, I didn't know that. But now I realize, oh, my God, he's like a fucking whore. All these women that he brings into the episodes, he's fucking all of them. Gonorrhea on a stick. Right? Uh, and so he and Jack were always, like, looking for, you know, looking for the next lay. But as a kid, you don't really, truly understand that. But totally filthy show. And so um, so in this episode, uh, Diamond Jack Larry uh, sets up Jack on, on a blind date. Uh, the date is, um, is a jewel thief. Um, and she mistakes Jack for, um, for, uh, for a fence. So she thinks he's, he's like going to be buying these, uh, these diamonds off of her. And, um, and so, so the, 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 the fence happens or the date happens at, at a roller rink. And so my brother Greg was, he was an extra roller skating in the roller rink. And, uh, and it, and it was really, really exciting. And so when I interviewed him on the podcast, one uh, revelation that I didn't know about that he told me, cause in my memory, they filmed in a roller rink, but of course it was a TV studio. So he said they had basically like the, a portion of a roller rink. So so he would skate through, and then once he was off camera, he would sort of have to like tiptoe and walk across like cables and move past like directors <laughs> and producers, and then come back around and then skate <laughs> skate through again, and then off screen have to tiptoe over the cables and move past people and go through to create the image that he was in a roller rink. Um, and so I remember that episode uh, really vividly, partly because it was Three's Company and I loved everything they did, but then also like. You know, my brother was on there. And actually, a great thing that he revealed that made me very happy. He said that uh, John Ritter was um, just really, really amazingly nice. And he said, like, way nicer than he had to be. Because especially at this time, in the, like this particular episode, Diamond Jack, was October 19th, 1982. But at that time, John Ritter was easily one of the most famous people uh, in America, if not the world. Had no reason to be nice to some extra who was roller skating, but he said he was like super duper nice. That's good. Uh, That's a relief too. When you have this celebrity that you love, who you think is so nice and mm -hmm. you find out that they're not actually a huge cunt face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Three's company was also my introduction to Don Knotts, who I adored as a kid. So for me, Don Knotts is he's Mr. Furley. He was the second landlord. Cause what happened was the show was such a huge hit. They wanted to do a spinoff. So the original landlords, the Ropers, um, who, who again, the, you, um, uh, so, so the Ropers was, so, so the husband was Mr. Roper and he was just sort of like this, um, just this old sort of curmudgeon and he was grumpy and he, you know, anytime he was just the least bit suspicious that Jack, like there's a great episode, a really great episode where, um, Mr. Roper's niece comes to visit and she's, you know, she's just a really, really hot piece of ass. <laughs> and so he thinks I need somebody to take care of her for a minute. I've got to go. And he's like, Oh, I know. I'll have Jack hang out with her because he likes dudes, so he's not going to do anything to defile my beautiful <laughs> young niece. Um, and so so he asked Jack to hang out with her and take her out and stuff. And so, of course, uh, the niece is totally into Jack, but and Jack is like, you know, she's, she's a hot piece of ass. Of course, he wants to do filthy things to her, but he can't because he can't possibly let Mr. Roper know that he's not actually gay because then that would ruin, I'm telling you, Liz, hijinks. That is, that is hijinks, and the dare and suing. <laughs> <laughs> and so um so so there's Mr. Roper and then his wife 
who was just, um, she was just a, a cat in heat nonstop. Just this older woman who wanted nothing more than just to fuck all the time. As a, <laughs> as a kid, didn't understand this. But watching as a doll, I was like, oh my God, all she wants to do is fuck. And, uh, and of course, her husband's not into fucking, so she's just this poor woman just walking around with blue balls. All she wants to do is get laid so terribly, Liz. <laughs> Um, and so the Roper, the show was so popular and the Ropers were so popular. They did a spinoff called, you know, the, the Ropers. And, um, in a later interview, Mr. Roper, I forget, I forget his actual name. Um, but he said he basically, he sort of behind the scenes protested. He didn't want to do a spinoff because he understood the show was so popular. He didn't want to leave the show, but I guess, I don't know if it was just a bunch of money or if they said, you don't have a choice, you can do a new show or whatever. So they, they did the spinoff. And of course, the spinoff didn't work out. Yeah. It was probably out there. I've never heard after. of that too. I've heard of Three's Company. I've never yeah. heard of the Ropers. Never heard of the Ropers, oh. and uh, and that and that was, and that was that. But so, and then the hit the the new landlord was Mr. Furley, who was Don Knotts. And so for me, for me forever, Don Knotts is the the landlord from Three's Company. But I would learn later he was the sheriff from the Andy Griffith Show, and he did lots of movies, and he was a huge, huge star. Before he was this this sweet old man on uh, on Three's Company, but you know, as a kid, I didn't know that. And it's kind of funny when you're a kid and you love this actor for this part that they did, and they've done like had such a more extensive body of work, and they're known <laughs> yes. for like you know being like Shakespearean actor or whatever. But you know them as like you know, the landlord or what? I can't yeah. I can think of an example for myself, but um, when when I do, yeah. I'll just blurt it out in the middle of some um, inconvenient time and. I'm sure one will come up. So, uh, so yeah, that that's number one on my list. Three's Company. I keep waiting for them to to put it on Netflix before I break down and actually spend money and just buy the box sets. But like, I know, like any time, like I don't have cable anymore. But when I did recently, if I saw it anywhere, I would just put it on and just, just I mean, just just the the, the from the from the from the the, the 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 swanky sort of upbeat '70s theme song, which is so totally dated, but it makes my heart so happy. <laughs> Uh, to, to the show, everything, everything about the show is like, there, there's, oh, oh, and by the way, Liz, um, I just read this yesterday as I was preparing for our episode, um, uh, New Line Cinema has, has bought the, the, the rights to Three's Company to do a movie. Ooh. Um, and, and it will take place in the seventies if for no other reason, because the premise couldn't happen in, in 2016, <laughs> as we said. Um, and, uh, I, 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 you know, it's one of those things where, you know, they, they got the rights to it. They'll develop it. Who knows if it will actually happen, but I'm game. I'll watch it. I'll be, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be some ass who's like, why do it? Why, you know, why doesn't Hollywood have new ideas? Why do I have to keep remaking <laughs> shit? It's like, you know what? I fucking love to go ahead and make another one. I'll watch it. And it's I'm, the I'm kind in. of thing where if you have such a love for a TV show or a movie and they reboot it, and even if you know, it's just going to be like this heaping steaming pile of shit, you have to watch it. Because of that yeah. love for whatever you have in your heart, Three's Company, or for me, like Sex in the City comes to mind. Those movies are just so bad. But I, <laughs> I, if they make a third one, I, I'm going to go to the theater like first day and go see it. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, j- just for the sake of uh, of keeping tabs, we've we've each covered our, our first uh, our first episodes, and I think we're 40 minutes in, <laughs> so it's. <laughs> So uh, we'll see. Listen, if if we have to break this one up, then that's what has to happen. Yeah, but the we listeners won't make... will be like on the edge of their seats. Yeah, like we won't make any decisions today, but 
if, if it turns out that we record for like three hours and it just makes sense to break it up, then maybe that's what we'll do. But anyway, let's not, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So episode, not episode, show number two. What's number two on your Okay, list, so this show for me, this is the first show I really felt was for me and not me specifically, but it was the first show really that was meant for girls, I felt, because Full House and some other shows, they're very kind of like gender neutral, right? Like, boys watch them, girls watch them, or most shows they did have boy protagonists. But this show, it was all about girls, and I just loved it. And in some ways, it's very similar to Buffy, about a uh, girl who's just a average school girl, and she's a superhero, and that show is Sailor Moon. Oh, okay. And uh, this show, for those who don't know what it's about, um, it uh, follows the adventures of a young schoolgirl named Serena as she transforms into the titular character. And during her journey, she leads a diverse group of sailor scouts as they battle against villains. So, and that's from Wikipedia. So I just, I loved this show. Um, it was cool. And it was, it was girls kicking butt. It wasn't, you know, it, girls... Who are, I I love Disney and Disney princesses, but they were very. A lot of the girls were very at the mercy of guys rescuing them. And these girls, they would you know all get together and they would fight the forces of darkness. And the bad guys were from this place called the Negaverse. And I just loved it. And I mean, the show has even though it, I'm all about this girl power. I loved Sailor Moon. The show has been widely criticized for being anti-feminist. Because these girls, it's an animated show. It's an anime show from Japan. Mm-hmm. And these girls, they have, you know, the, the typical anime, big eyes, tiny waist, big tits. And um, and also, there's this one character, this mysterious figure named Tuxedo Mask. And he's called Tuxedo Mask because he wears a tuxedo and a mask. So that's some top-notch writing there. And he's very much kind of like, if you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he's very much like Angel in season one, where he just basically kind of shows up, like, at the end. He kind of cherry picks the big fight with the bad guys and does, like, one little thing at the end and takes credit for it. And then he just leaves behind a rose as, like, his calling card. And so everyone's like, oh, tuxedo mask. And it's it's... It's it's so bad, but I just, I loved it. I could not get enough of it. Um, it was it was the show to watch, and the um, the Sailor Moon, her alter ego, well, like her real personality. She was Serena, and she was you know she wasn't doing very well in school, and she was this huge klutz, and she would always hang out at this uh art, gaming arcade, and there was this guy there named Darian, and he was tall, dark, and handsome, and there was sexual tension between them, but. You know how sometimes there's like a little verbal tete-a-tete between like a guy and a girl where they just kind of say things to diss each other, but that's because they really want to fuck each other. This one was so one-sided. He was such an asshole to her all the time. And she's like, well, you're stupid and all this stuff. And, and he would make fun of her hair. And he, he was just, he was such an asshole to her. So guy being an asshole to a girl and it being because he likes her. What perfect show for Liz to start her relationship with masturbation. <laughs> was that the one? That was Sailor the Moon. One. Sailor Moon. I since I was a child, masturbating TV left, right, and center. Sailor Moon was the first one, and I had, for the record, I mean, I don't know how much we want to go down this rabbit hole. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't. I wasn't like, <laughs> you know what? This is very erotic to me, and I'm going to masturbate now. This show came on when I was seven years old, so. But I mean, I just stuff felt good and I kept going and I haven't looked back. Yeah. I mean, you know, speaking of rabbit holes, you kept going. (laughs) 
and 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 it's a cartoon. I think that's probably the the part that's almost as fascinating as the rest of it. Uh, you know, almost as fascinating as, as Liz masturbating. But it, but it was a cartoon. I don't think I would have uh, necessarily made that connection. But uh, but that's cool. I I um I know of Sailor Moon, uh, but I've never seen it. Yeah, well, it's and it's the kind of thing where after I grew out of it, I haven't really gone back and watched it. And it's not the kind of thing where like Full House, it'll pop up on syndication. You won't be at a bar and it'll like appear on the screen. And um, I, I think it would, I think I'd be interested to watch it again, but um, it, it was just, it defined so much of my adolescence. I loved yeah. it. And, um, and it's funny because when I was a kid, I was very much into playing pretend either making up characters or, or, you know, saying, okay, we're going to play Disney princesses or we're going to play this. So Sailor Moon was the perfect show to play, especially with friends who are girls, except everyone had a favorite Sailor Scout because she it was her and four other girls. But everyone's favorite was also Sailor Moon. So with my childhood friend growing up, we would alternate who got to be Sailor Moon. And then we would kind of, if we weren't Sailor Moon, we would go for a backup one. And my mm-hmm. favorite was Sailor Jupiter because she, she was the only one with brown hair. And she was like a badass, got in all these <laughs> fights and stuff. And I remember I started pretending that the Negaverse, where all the bad guys lived, was in the sewers. Like, so we would just kind of like hang out with like our fake little weapons by the sewer grates <laughs> outside our house and just be like, and then we would just kind of just start like making noise with the, because we had all the toys. Like there were like, I mean, it, it was so like advertising execs wet dream because she had like a tiara that did this and a wand that did this. So all these very tangible things that you can market to children. And so we got them all as like Christmas and birthday presents. So it'd just be like, pew, 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 pew. And us just, <laughs> but uh, like, it would be basically us just like sitting outside our house, staring at a sewer. <laughs> and then you followed it up with a circle jerk, just like exactly. every kid watching their cartoons i i know i know certainly for a time when i was growing up there was a, a lot of um uh a lot a lot of uh, anime there was you know it was um there was a uh, coming to to america and they would just have the uh american voice voiceovers which I, I think even as a kid like you could tell there was something off but you didn't necessarily obsess over it in terms of like how come these words aren't lining up with their with their mouth and yeah stuff? same thing with this and um like even though i paraphrased with what the schoolgirl's name was because for the uh, like canadian or american television it was serena uh in japan it was usagi sukino mm-hmm. so like yeah it was very much you know and we knew it took place in japan because one of um I don't know what he did, but Sailor Mars, her father, like he, he did, you know, martial arts and he was in this very culturally Japanese house. I, I, I'm trying not to sound too racist. I just, I don't know what he did, <laughs> but it was like nothing that, you know, anyone we knew did in Canada. So it was obviously it didn't, we knew it didn't take place like from where we were from. Right. And um, it's funny because with anime, I, I had no idea what it was. I had no idea that Sailor Moon was part of it. I had never seen mm-hmm. it on TV. And it just some of the animation we really loved. Like when they were shocked, their mouths would open and their mouth would be the entire bottom half of their face. And <laughs> if they were like, some, if it was like, oh, re- like, uh, there would be like a little teardrop in the back of their head. Like if, you know, someone says something that's really annoying or stupid, there would just be like this teardrop behind them. 
And <laughs> I never saw anything like it since. But the next show that came out that was really big was Pokemon. But since then, I was in grade two when Sailor Moon, when I first was first aware of Sailor Moon. And I was in grade six when I was first aware of Pokemon. So I that was for my sister and her friends. It was too babyish for me. Right. Yeah. And when I was a kid, too, I don't know. I don't know when the term anime was coined. But when I was a kid, uh, me and everyone I knew, my friends and my cousins and stuff, we um, we called it Japanimation. <laughs> and we didn't coin that. That was just that was. Yeah, that's Japanimation. Sure. I think that's and, what and, we called it, too. Now, come yeah. think of it. And so for so the one for me, it was definitely made for boys was the big one was Voltron. And but as a kid, I just assumed it was an American. I, I, I wasn't even cognitive enough to say this is an American cartoon. I just assumed it's, it's American television. This is clearly for me. So this is an American cartoon. And then later, later learned that, you know, it was a it was a it was a Japanese show. Another one was Robotech, but it was I, I would watch it because it was a cartoon. And if, if it was a cartoon and it was on, I would watch it. But it was one of those it was one of those shows there was a lot of shows as a kid that I, I wouldn't enjoy them but I would watch them because it was TV and what else was I going to do yeah uh, even if it wasn't good it was better than not watching TV um but yeah but Sailor Moon uh, I, I guess it was it was it was after my time but I, but it, I was I, I'm I'm completely aware that it exists and it was really popular but everything you told me was is basically my first introduction to Sailor Moon including uh little girls all over the world apparently smacking it to, to, to Sailor think Moon I didn't probably know. one of the only ones Oh, it was it just you, Liz? Okay, I so that's so, uh, a, yeah. I would like to think that, that it's my show, and as as a kid, especially as a sibling, you can get very possessive of stuff. So Sailor Moon <laughs> is my show to masturbate to. People can find something else. And yeah, that, you know what? Yes. Another thing I wanted to say about Sailor Moon is that I mean, it was it was huge at my school, and I had a Sailor Moon backpack. And I remember um, at the beginning of the year, they would um, we would kind of get the talk about like how to avoid pedophiles without actually knowing what they were. <laughs> right. Like, like just basically like, like stranger danger. Don't talk to strangers, that kind of thing. And so one of them was that we should have a password with our parents where if there's some emergency and, you know, the cell phones were not in the stratosphere at this point, mm-hmm. if there was an emergency and someone, you know, a, a friend from our parents work or someone we didn't know had to come pick us up. They needed to have the password before we would get in the car and go with them, right? So we wouldn't just go off and get raped somewhere in a bush. So I want to, and so my mom said, oh, what, what should the password be? And I wanted it to be Sailor Moon, but she said that would be too obvious. It was that big. It couldn't even be my password wow. to protect me from pedophiles. And so your mom said the password is Circle Jerk. So like, <laughs> okay, got it. No, the password actually was um, the movie Pocahontas was one of my favorite movies. It had just come out, the Disney movie. And so we didn't, we thought Pocahontas would be too big too. So we made the password, I believe it was Nicomis. Whatever her best friend's name was, that was what the password is. So if anyone wants to like be all Doctor Who and get in a time machine and (laughs) the last seven-year-old Liz, Nicomis. See you there. That's very sweet of you, Liz. (laughs) I'm a giver. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like it. All right. Well, uh, I, I wish I had more to offer with Sailor Moon, but I enjoyed everything that uh, you had to share. <laughs> who knew? Who who knew? I don't even think the creators of Sailor Moon had any idea what effect they were having on Liz Hersey. So I hope someone out there connected to, to Sailor Moon has an opportunity to listen to this conversation. I think it would be a very eye-opening what they did for the world. Yeah. And so, yeah. And if anyone out there who's listening to this, they also did, yeah, tweet me like, hashtag Nokomis Circle Jerk. <laughs> there you go 
Uh, okay, so that so so let's go to number two on uh, on my list, and uh, this is a show uh, is from uh, debuted in uh, nineteen seventy on NBC. So again, another show from the seventies, but also at this point, I was probably like one years old. So it was another show that. Um, I, I, in all likelihood, discovered in syndication because I would watch it every day. I believe this one was on Channel 13, usually in the, the afternoons after school. Uh, but it was also doing new episodes, so I could do that nice thing where it was it was in syndication, but I could watch new episodes. That's the best. It, it is the best. And so this one is Different Strokes. Okay. Which is actually a nice follow-up to your Sailor Moon uh, revelation. <laughs> So different strokes. Uh, and before I get into it, is this a show that's anywhere in your in your, in your consciousness? List? I, I've heard of it, and like it's the kind of show where it was probably mentioned in later shows, like a Full House or something. So I've never sure. actually seen it, but I've I've heard of it for sure. It's definitely was on my radar, but I never watched it. Yeah, so Different Strokes, uh, just adore this one as a kid. So this one, it's the misadventures of a wealthy Manhattan family who adopted the children of their late African-American housekeeper from Harlem. And so um, so in terms of the, 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 the dynamics of the show, it's, it's you know, this basically like a, a rich white dude, and he's got a teenage daughter, and um, uh, he, he adopts these two black boys. One of them is sort of a teenager, maybe a young, young teenager, the other one's a little kid. And so... Um, uh, especially, especially in the, the the late seventies, early eighties, um, when it, it's not I, like I don't think uh, I don't think race will ever go away in terms of being uh, you, know, you can always touch on it to be sort of um, interesting or explosive or intriguing. Uh, but I would say particularly at this time, especially in, in American culture, this was a, a big reason why the show got attention. And there, there was also sort of the um, uh, the the social the like the class issues in terms of. Um, uh, and not even like it was it wasn't even controversial, but you know, taking two uh, black boys who were likely growing up in poverty and then putting them into uh, a rich white household and then you know, and then whatever hijinks ensued from that as a kid, all of that stuff was beyond me, of course. I wasn't I was I, I just I, I loved the characters and I loved the show. but you know, you get older and you look back and you can kind of appreciate sort of, um, what was probably going into the like the writing and the thought process in terms of uh, developing the show? Yeah, and it's uh, kind of something for like people of different ages, where when you are an adult, you can't process these social issues that they're talking about. But they still, it's kind of interwoven with the wacky hijinks that, as a kid, you can appreciate. And mm-hmm. and sorry if I cut you off there. I, I think Not at it all. Was kind going. of equivalent for the social sitcom for me that that I like the hijinks for was Family Matters with Steve Urkel. Oh, sure. So, I mean, that's not on my list, but it was the show that came on before Full House, so I watched that. And so I feel like that's kind of my 90s equivalent to your different <laughs> Yeah, TGIF. That one, uh, uh, that one gets, an, that's one of my honorable mentions. So <laughs> for anybody keeping score, if you, were, if you were waiting for Family Matters, I don't think it's on either one of our no, lists, but definitely gets, honorable gets an mention. honorable mention. Yeah, so, so if, if, if that's the one you're waiting for and you're disappointed... Uh, keep listening, but if if you have to go and tend to your broken heart, we we understand. <laughs> so so different strokes uh, amongst the 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 star the the the, the breakout star of the show was uh, Gary Coleman, who again when I was growing up just a really really a huge huge uh, star you know along with the uh, Suzanne Summers. It was also also in in the eighties in particular. Um, uh, TV. TV stars didn't cross over into, into movie stars. It was definitely a class issue. Movie stars were royalty. T- 
TV stars were enjoy your fame, but you know they were the worst fans. Yeah, you're you're you know enjoy it. You've got you've got a nice you got a nice career going, but don't don't go flirting with the with the movie stuff because you're not going to make it. Now, if you're famous, you can cross over all over the place. But so anyway, Gary Coleman, huge huge star, and you know, and, but I've, I always felt like I have to add TV to it. Huge TV star, but also just a huge star. And one of the things I remember that I would for me that was fascinating was um, he was he wasn't he wasn't a little person, but he was small for his age. I think it had something to do with the, like a kidney ailment. Um, and I, I think it was ultimately because he passed away a few years ago. And I think I might have right. something to I do heard with that. that. But I think whatever his ailment was, he he didn't grow as you know uh, proportional to uh to people kids his age so he was actually much older than the than the character he played but which was I, part of the reason he was able to be uh, you know uh he was so great was you know if you were if you're going to get a kid actually his age probably couldn't be as sort of funny and dynamic and you know put out like a performance like that but he was actually older yeah. than the character um can we just talk uh, about how much most child actors suck royal balls because, oh. and especially with the whole like precocious trying to be cute thing and mm-hmm. I think that's probably what's kind of behind my hatred of Full House when I watch it is that and, <laughs> and that's why DJ I still maintain that DJ is the best character because when the, sh- the show started she was about 11 so she wasn't young enough to be like the cute kid but Stephanie was like six or so and Michelle was a baby and both of those two the younger two sisters oh my god like just the tr- when someone tries to be cute, be it a child or an adult, I want nothing to do with that person. It churns my stomach. It makes me feel physically ill. So that probably is a, like did work out well for different strokes that Gary Coleman was a little bit older. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. And I had those, I had all those same thoughts watching Fuller House because, of course, that you know they have to bring in you know kids to kind of have like a new generation of Full House. But it was kind of that thing. It's like, oh. These kids are not as cute as the producers think they are, and this is this is not working. But it might work. I have no idea. Maybe maybe there's kids liking Fuller House, but I I I, I I'll probably go back and watch it for the uh, for the for the car wreck aspect of it. So. <laughs> um, a, a couple of cool things about well, not cool, but a couple of notable things about Different Strokes is um, it sort of became very much the the poster child for the uh, uh, for the the troubled child star. Um, cause, uh, like Gary Coleman, uh, he very famously had, um, uh, terrible issues with, with his parents and he, he made just, I don't know, he just made so much money on this show and his parents, you know, they were his, they, you know, they were his guardians cause he wasn't uh, of legal age. And so they, they, you know, they blew all of his money and he had no idea. And so, um, so he, when he was still, uh, probably like a teenager, um, he got legally emancipated from his parents. It was, this, I remember, it was like this big kind of uh, thing in the in the news, or at least entertainment news. But as a kid, I didn't I didn't differentiate. Um, and so, like that was a whole thing. Uh, Todd Bridges, who played his brother, um, would you know in later years have just like a just a crippling drug addiction that uh, he eventually you know came out of. But he's doesn't have a career in, in acting anymore that I'm aware of. And then the, then the daughter, the the I, I guess she would be sort of I don't know like the the step sister or whatever but she was the the the, the daughter of, of the rich man um she had just a, again you know just crippling drug addiction and she she didn't do porn but as a kid it felt like porn and it was just one of those like she she appeared in like one of those like softcore porn movies uh, and then eventually she died of a, a of a drug overdose 
Um, and that I remember like very clearly, like on the cover of People magazine. And, and like as a kid, I was very struck by that because like, well, that's that these people are she's dead. That's weird. That's not supposed to happen. And, and what's what happened, you know? Um, and so it seemed like not everybody, but at least, uh, you know, the majority of the major players on the show, especially the, the young actors, um, all dealt with, you know, really troubling um, uh, off screen issues. And so, so whenever the whenever the topic of like the troubled child star comes up, I always my brain always goes to the different strokes. Yeah, and it's always uh, very rattling when um, when you're a kid and you hear about your favorite celebrities getting into trouble. Like mm-hmm. now we we think child star, we think even you know grown up star. It's kind of par for the course where someone's getting addicted to something or other. Yeah. But uh, for me, it was. Um, I watched this show. I don't think that it came to the States. It was a Canadian show, I believe, called Eric's World. I don't know if you heard of that. Did, uh, did you hear Sharon, Lois, and Bram, the elephant mm, show? No. Okay, it was Canadian then. And Eric Nagler, he was on the show. He wasn't one of the three, obviously. But he was so good that he got his spinoff show called Eric's World. And that was you know, on my long list of shows that didn't make it. So, spoiler alert. But and he was accused <laughs> of... Uh, molesting or you know getting a little sexually funky with an underage girl and it absolutely destroyed his career like he toured schools and stuff i met him he was the first celebrity i ever met he signed a poster for me and um and you know he didn't say nicomas i'll tell you that much yeah you're lucky that's all he signed yeah but it turns out that they made it up that he did not do that and it still ruined his career so that's terrible well you know what i I love you eric nagler I, you know, I love you too, Eric Nagler. That is very unfair. I'm sorry your career got derailed over something that you didn't do. And, and I'm sorry that I made an inappropriate joke about you doing something to my friend Liz Hersey's a kid, because clearly you wouldn't do that. I mean, I, I, mine was just a matter of time. So, you know, Eric, I'm, I'm <laughs> of age. Tweet me, hashtag Nokomis Circle Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do it, Eric. She's not married yet. Yeah. So just, you know, I'll get there, your wife in. I'll do it. <laughs> Uh, so, so when, so this, this is very cool about, uh, well, a couple, see, there's a few notes. This is why it's on my list. There's a few notable things about it. This was another show that my, my brother Greg appeared as an extra on. Oh, um, he's just a little yeah. media whore, isn't he? He was, and again, it was when I was a kid, just, just like, just purely by coincidence, he's appearing on my favorite shows. It was the coolest, craziest thing that all of a sudden I had this, this, this connection to the, like, I wasn't there. I wasn't on the show, but it was he, in fact, he appeared on two episodes of Different Strokes, but um, the one that I always remember, uh, it was an episode called The Lie. It was episode four of season six. This one was October 29th, 1983. And uh, so so my memory of the show, my memory of the episode was um, uh, uh, Arnold and his brother Willis were at a carnival. And uh, there was some, through some mishap, uh, Arnold got electrocuted, so he was passed out and he wasn't breathing. And so Willis, his older brother, um, you know, again, this is my memory of it, didn't want to perform CPR on his brother because, you know, he was worried. He, there was basically, you know, there was like a homophobic undertone that even though his brother was unconscious, he didn't want to do the CPR because he was, uh, wor- you know, it was it, he didn't want to he didn't want to do this gay thing with his brother. And I think somebody else come along and you know, did the CPR and like he was good. And for, for years, that was my memory of it. And then uh, yesterday as I was going over my list and I, and I looked up this episode, um, apparently that's not what happened. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so so this one, so the, this Willis lies to Arnold about knowing first aid in order to get a job at the school carnival. But when Arnold gets an electrical shock, Willis doesn't know how to save him with CPR. I have trouble accepting that. I feel like somebody went back and, and revised this on Wikipedia or something because I swear to God, he could have done the CPR. He just didn't want... I, I, I guess I'll go back and watch it one day and find out that they're right. But for, for you know, however long it's been, 30, 35 years, whenever this one came out, I was convinced. And I didn't even know the word homophobic as a kid. I didn't know... It, I, didn't, I didn't even completely understand the the tension of of you know gay culture and American culture at that time, but but my as a kid, my understanding was like, oh, he doesn't want to look like he likes boys. Basically, apparently, I've been wrong for for all of these thirty years. Um, <laughs> but We're I'm still not convinced I'm wrong. Truth left and right, we crack the I book know. on Full House. And- right. Because even if that's not what they meant, that's exactly what it was. We could like, be our like own the, kids show, like Detectives Liz and Martin solving mysteries. <laughs> no one asked them to. <laughs> so in, in, in episode four, season six, what they wrote was he was scared. He didn't know CPR. What the writers really meant was he didn't want to do some gay, uh, I was going to say pedophile, but that's that's not the word. What's the stuff when 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 you fuck somebody in your family? Incest. Can't think of the word. Incest. Yeah, they want to do some homo, you know, uh, homosexual incest with his brother, but they couldn't write that on network television, so that they had to cover it up in code. And that the code is, I don't know CPR, but when you hear that, what that really means is, I really want to make out with my brother, but I don't want people to see this happen. And I think you were just such a sophisticated child. You added multiple layers to this episode <laughs> where really there weren't any. <laughs> Thank you, Liz Hersey. I, I I like thinking that I was a sophisticated kid breaking down television and, and adding the layers that, that the writers knew were there, but they, they couldn't write them. Uh, on, on a much sweeter note, uh, another impact uh, different strokes had on me was when I was a kid, when I was in the, um, I believe it was when I was in the, the second grade, I um, I had to get my tonsils out. So it was, it was uh, it, it's generally speaking, uh, especially if you're a, you know, a healthy kid, then probably the first surgery uh, you have is getting your, your tonsils out. So it was the first time that I was going to a hospital and was going to get put under and something. And, and I didn't, and, and then as a kid, I didn't, I understood I was getting my tonsils out. I didn't necessarily understand why I had to do this. It was just like, you're a kid. And it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to the hospital. Okay, sure. You're the, you're the grownups. What, what the fuck do I know? Um, But I, but I, I knew enough that I was like scared because I, because, you know, there was the adult warnings of, like, you know, your throat's going to hurt for a while and you're going to get all the ice cream you want, which is, you know, just one of the worst scams in the world as a kid when you get your tonsils out. Because, you know, of course, you get all the ice cream you want, but everything fucking hurts going down. So you don't <laughs> want to eat the ice cream. They don't tell you that, Liz Hersey. Bastards. And so I remember being very nervous and scared about this mysterious procedure that I was going to go through in, in this hospital. And, and just in the craziest sort of Truman Show way, the night before I got my tonsils out, I was watching Different Strokes, and there's an episode that I was watching, Liz Hersey, the night before. Do you know what it was called? The Tonsils? It was called Tonsils. Oh, I just added the the. But you were, you were way closer than I expected. The night before I got my tonsils out, I watched an episode of Different Strokes called Tonsils, where um, the new kid on the show, his name was Sam. It was that point in the sitcom where... Um, everybody was growing up and they, they wanted to bring in another kid. So I think the old, the dad was dating somebody and she had a, a young son, his little, little, you know, white redhead kid named Sam. 
And uh, so he kind of took the place. He didn't take Arnold's place, but Arnold was usually he was like basically a teenager. So I guess they felt like they needed a kid on the show to give it a give it some a boost of energy before it officially got canceled or whatever. And so he was he had to get his tonsils out, and it was like the you know it was so well it was it was it for me as a kid. Um, you know, it, it couldn't have been any more impactful. Like, I, I don't, I, you know, like if, if somebody was telling the story about how they had to get their tonsils out and they saw this episode and it really helped make them feel better, better about it. It's like, oh, go fuck off, horny <laughs> motherfucker. That didn't happen. But it really made a huge difference for me. So like, and it was just, just like, just one of the many examples for me of how powerful television is that I watched this fictional character on TV show go through the process of getting his tonsils out and it put me at ease the night before I got my tonsils out. And, and it, you know, it wasn't like there was like Netflix or, or, or Hulu or, or, or box sets where I could put on the tonsil episode. It had to come on and it just happened to come on the night before. Uh, and it was it just just a huge, it brought huge comfort to me until I woke up out of surgery and I was fucking in pain and crying and I couldn't breathe. Yeah, I thought I was dying. Strokes then. Yeah, yeah. Where the fuck? They didn't show that part. <laughs> they didn't show him waking up. Just screaming and able to breathe and thinking he was about to die. They didn't show that. And then uh, my mom next to me, you know, crying because you know I was her kid and, and I was crying and, and I literally couldn't breathe and I was like, I'm just gonna fucking. There's these adults standing around. I'm just gonna fucking die and nobody seems to to care that I'm gonna die right now. And um, I don't know if it was the nurse or somebody calmed me down and once I settled down I could breathe. But it was um, um, uh, but yeah, but but still, different strokes was was there for me and I fucking love that show. And now this uh, is going to be a mind fuck for you because while the night before you got your tonsils out, you saw the tonsils episode of different strokes. I have never got my tonsils out and I have never seen the tonsils episode of different strokes. So fuck. here we are. Liz and Martin cracked another case. Mind blown. <laughs> that's crazy. That's like, that's like, you know, Lincoln having a secretary named Kennedy and Kennedy having a secretary named Lincoln. What are the odds? Right. It's one of the, one of the rare historical facts I know. And I don't even know if it's true. This is like inception level shit right here. <laughs> uh, so what are we, we're, we're roughly uh, an hour into it and we've got uh, halfway through our list. Ish, yeah. uh, which I'm, I'm just thinking uh, earlier, I said we might break it up. This, this will just be just a long fucking epic episode, whatever. Like if you've got a long road trip with a lot of hours ahead of you, we're just going to do the whole list for you. So settle in. Yeah, and listeners. it's going to be the kind of episode where, you know, you don't finish it while you, when you finish cooking dinner. But yeah. if you just want to keep listening, you're okay to do the cleanup. Yeah. So we're, we're just fixing the homes of North America. That's what we're doing. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Awesome. Okay, Liz Hersey. Uh, 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 go ahead. What, what's number three on your list? Number three on my list. I started watching when I... I was in the third grade and um, this show had been advertised a lot for kids. It was this huge, uh, the, the reckoning is coming. This show's coming out kids. So get ready. And I had little to no interest in this show, watching all these ads for it and all these teasers. And I like, it was just, it, I was actually getting irritated with it because I'd be trying to watch my favorite shows and then I'd have to listen to this show's coming and so anyway, cut to the day it airs. And my mom, my mom worked part time. So some days she would pick us up from school. And some days it was usually my paternal grandmother who I call Nana. Nana wasn't available. And no one was available except for my grandfather, uh, my maternal grandfather, who I called Grampy. And I, I loved 
my grandpa. I loved Grampy, but he was not a kid person, and I was kind of scared of him because he didn't really talk to us kids too too much. And when he did, he was this very big, imposing man, and he he was lovely, but I I was just scared of him for whatever reason. So when my mom said you're going to Grampy's, I was terrified. And, um, and so I got there and, um, you know, we're just kind of like awkwardly sitting at the table and no one knows what to say to the other person. And so I said, can I go watch TV? This show's coming on. And so, and he let me, I think he was happy for, you know, me to have something to do. And I turned on this show and I fell in love with it. And that show is a little animated show called Arthur. Oh, wonderful. I don't know, Arthur, but I love the buildup. So tell me about <laughs> okay, it. Okay, Arthur is a Canadian-American animated educational television series for children. And it is set in the fictional American city of Elwood City and revolves around the lives of eight-year-old Arthur Reed, an anthropomorphic aardvark, his friends and family, and their daily interactions with each other. So basically, he was an aardvark. His whole family, they're aardvarks, except they don't have um long nose they have like no noses but they're still aardvarks for whatever reason and his friends are different animals his best friend is a rabbit and another friend is a bear and the bully is a bulldog and the girls in this class a couple of them are monkeys and one of them's a cat but they don't there's only ever one reference to the fact that they're animals and it's it's a bit of an anomaly because they they walk around on two legs they wear clothes. They're basically humans, but they're animals. And it was based on a popular series of kids' books by this guy named Mark Brown. And I remembered reading those books a little bit. But the cool thing about Arthur is that he was in grade three, and I was in grade three when it aired. And so it was basically, yeah, just what the summary from Wikipedia said. Just him, like his little misadventures. He's, you know, one episode he's the last kid and the only kid in his class who hasn't lost a tooth and everyone makes fun of him for being a baby. And then there's his little sister DW who wants to tag along, but when she does, he, she ruins his fun and, and just stuff like that. Like very four kids, typical kid problems that anyone can relate to. But this show, this little show that I just watched so I could, you know, get away from my grandfather. It was such a cultural <laughs> phenomenon. This show, it debuted and oh god it must have been 1997 i think it was it is still on to this day martin lestraps and wow. it is the second longest running animated series of all time behind only the simpsons it is that's insane still going and just like the simpsons that they don't age this guy this kid arthur and his friends they should like they were in grade three the same year i was they should all be 28 years old they're still in the third grade <laughs> uh, and actually speaking of the simpsons again just for anybody keeping score they are one of my honorable mentions but they didn't make the list so just i don't want you to get your hopes up simpsons are an honorable mention but didn't make my list. they didn't make my list either because i wasn't allowed to watch it <laughs> 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 but um arthur man i just and arthur was one of these shows that i don't th ever think it was anyone's favorite show but every kid growing up in the late 80s early 90s I think there's a special place in their heart for Arthur most people watched it and I think it was one of those shows where like listen when you were at least at my school you did not want to be labeled as babyish you didn't want to watch shows that were too young for you you didn't want that label so I think that everyone secretly watched Arthur but nobody talked about it because everyone <laughs> just loved it so much and um and the great thing about it is that it was, it was a PBS kids show. And so it was on there. 
And but it was also one of these shows that were on other kids uh, networks in Canada. It was on one called TVO Kids, and it was on a network called CBC Kids. And they'd always be on before school and after school. And you know, uh, it'd be on at like three o'clock on PBS Kids, and then it'd be on at three thirty on TVO Kids, and four o'clock on CBC Kids. So if you you know did had enough patience to channel surf, which I mean, kids today have no idea what it was like, you know walk into school uphill both ways in the snow having to channel surf but I mean I, I was willing to put the research in and I I would able I would be able to get you know probably a good two hours of Arthur watching almost every day and um and it was just it I just loved it and actually the uh, website for it PBS kids the, the Arthur website is ranked I think as one of the best kids websites of all time because it was so interactive and so when I when we first got the internet in my family home, I was in the sixth grade. So I was a preteen and I only like teen things. I would go on that website so fucking much <laughs> and just play the games and stuff. And then I remember one summer I was bored and I was just like, I mean, for whatever reason, I didn't have any friends to play with that day. And I was just online, just, you know, kind of bored playing the Arthur trivia. It was, you know, multiple choice. Who, um, who played a... Uh, Alexander Graham Bell in the school play and there would be like three options and you know and I was getting all of them and so then I decided <laughs> to make my own Arthur board game based on these trivia questions so I found like a flat piece of white cardboard and drew like this kind of snake shape on it and colored in all these different squares and then I went on the PBS Kids website and printed because each character had their own little bio page and I printed off the pictures of all these kids and I stuck it on the board to, you know, make it look nice. And then I typed out all the questions and cut them out and put them behind pieces of construction paper. And then I went and got my family's Clue game and took the pieces from Clue. And I took the, the dice and I made my own Arthur trivia game that I made everyone play. And this was around the year when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was huge. Everyone was watching that. So my cousin Andrew dubbed my game Who Wants to Be an arthur Nair. <laughs> and we played it all the time and I think that this show is it just stays in the hearts of people my age to the point where now I, I haven't watched it in years even though they're still making new episodes I haven't watched it in years but hey I watched it all throughout high school and they would start to you know put in these not sexual references but you know how like in the Disney movies they have some kind of pop culture references for the adults so they have something sure. to hang on to while they watch it with their kids they had, you know, these little, they had references to Harry Potter and South Park. And they got, like, some big-name celebrities to be on episodes of that show. There was the Backstreet Boys. And um, there was Lance Armstrong, like, pre-Dopegate. <laughs> talking to, you know, because Binky wanted bike lanes for kids to be able to ride in the road. And he got Lance Armstrong or whatever. Art Garfunkel was in an episode. Wow. Um, yeah, and he, was, he played a singing moose. <laughs> and it was funny it was the episode where arthur's best friend buster um buster's parents were divorced and his dad's a pilot so his dad flies all the way around all around the world and so buster it makes more sense for him to live with his mom but he wanted like his dad wanted to spend some time with him so for about a, a month or so which is like a million years in kid time he left school to you know go be with his dad and, and fly around the world and it was um, I, I remember that this was one of the only storylines that kind of 
continued through episodes because most kids shows are very episodic they're not serialized but this one it was Buster was going away and Arthur was so sad and he was crying and I I just remember you know Buster driving away and Arthur going bye Buster and I just lost my shit and then (laughs) and so then Buster wasn't on the show for a couple episodes but then he was coming back and Arthur was so nervous that Buster he would have you know gone all gotten all sophisticated for going to England and Paris and all these places and he wouldn't like Arthur anymore and it was kind of there was kind of like this folksy singing moose like chronicling what happened and he was singing like I don't want to sing it now and violate any copyright infringement (laughs) but like um about Buster Baxter went away and he came back and it was uh Art Garfunkel as one of these characters just kind of singing and narrating and no one ever and he would kind of like pop in the shot and strum his guitar a little bit but like no one ever acknowledged it but then at the end of the episode when best friends were reunited Buster missed Arthur just as much as Arthur missed Buster Arthur turns to Buster and goes hey what's with the singing moose and so then that was kind of funny and that um i'm blathering on and on so much because it was such a big part of my childhood that's why it's on the list and um the show got a lot more sophisticated with the kind of topics it would cover like i mean what i'm mentioning you know not having lost a tooth having to wear glasses are are very kind of low key compared to some of these other ones they there was an episode where there one kid was dealing with his dyslexia and he didn't want to tell anybody and there was one girl who had a condition, a bedwetting condition. And so she was so scared to go to a sleepover. And um, there was even, they even dealt with cancer in an episode because their favorite lunch lady, Mrs. McGrady, she got cancer and um, she was showing up at the school or like, you know, she was off because she was getting chemo. And so they would go to visit her and her hair was gone. And, and just, it, it there was a lot of gravitas to the show as it went on. Like I, I was just waiting for the abortion plot to come in there somewhere. <laughs> Arthur's dealing with the issues. I know. And it, so it was when I what I think really ultimately makes it so great is so many of these kids shows they're just fucking awful. They're putrid. It's just crazy screaming angry colors jizzing on the screen at you. That that's basically what a lot of kids shows are. But it's either that or it's really condescending like Dora the Explorer that little dictating bitch where she would say, "Now you say that. <laughs> say it now." And like she was like a fascist and so it's like either like screaming colors or it's condescending Arthur. And I think the worst thing you can do to a child is condescend them is talk mm-hmm. to them like a child, talk to them like a real person. And that's how you get anywhere with kids. I think, I mean, I don't know anything about parenting or whatever, the right. fuck, but, but who, who better to talk about parenting than pe- people without kids. I give parenting advice all the time, <laughs> all yeah. the time. But my advice, piece of advice, number one, don't have one. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but then if it goes from there, then the list goes from there. Uh, so, so Arthur, yeah, I, I, again, I, I'm, I'm glad you were so enthusiastic about it because I, 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 I had no, I have no reference point for Arthur, so I couldn't even contribute. But luckily you loved it enough that you actually had plenty, plenty to, to I, I guess in, uh, in solidarity, I, you know, the, the, I, you mentioned The Simpsons. Uh, so The Simpsons was uh, when I was a kid. I had great affection for um, The Simpsons. Started uh, it was a, just a segment on the Tracy Ullman show, which was a sketch comedy show that came on uh, Fox Channel Eleven when I was a kid. And The Simpsons it was just sort of a nice little two or three minute, um, really, really, really uh, crude, um, as in like the, the drawings were really crude cartoon, just in between in, yeah. in between sketches. But that was the, the it took off from there. They did a they did a thirty minutes. Um, 
Christmas special. It was just like a one-off episode, like this Simpsons Christmas episode that um, I think either I recorded it or my dad recorded it for me or something. And I just like just watched it all the time. And then soon thereafter it became a series. And it was just, I, I, I watched it uh, religiously. And, and Bart Simpson was just, uh, he was a, he was my idol. And then and the funny thing with The Simpsons is as, as I got older, even now when I watch The Simpsons, I still love Bart, but but now I, I connect more with, with Homer Simpson, the dad. And I think that's a funny <laughs> thing when you when you grow up and with that, and I'm trying it's like I remember loving Bart, but now I think Homer's awesome because I'm I guess I'm a, I'm a grown up now. Um so the Simpsons again, they're an honorable mention. I could probably they, they they really did come close to to making the list, but ultimately honorable mention for the for the Simpsons and Arthur. I, I've I've definitely heard of Arthur, so I mean, even though I've never seen it, they, he's he's somewhere in my in my consciousness. And what, whereas with I mentioned before with Full House, it's the kind of show where I loved it when I was a kid. I I can't go back to it because it's just so bad. Arthur, I haven't gone back to it in a long, long time. But if I went back to it, I would probably have to you know set aside a day to just watch it because it it has a special place in my heart for sure. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe I'll look for it now. Maybe I'll have to look for it. So, uh, so that was, uh, and remind me, that was number three on your list. That was right? number three. Okay. So, so number three on my list, I was, I was about to say one of my favorite shows, but obviously this is my list. So it has to be one of my favorite shows. Um, this one, we're finally getting out of the seventies because this one debuted in 1982. It's only just barely out of the seventies. Uh, wonderful NBC sitcom called Family Ties. Okay. And uh, so Family Ties chronicles the liberal ex-hippies Stephen and Elise Keaton, their conservative son Alex, daughters Mallory and Jennifer, and later youngster child Andrew. He was one of those characters who, again, the show's been on for a few years. They felt like they needed an injection of youth, so they found a reason to bring a kid onto the show. He might be a nice guy, but I still, he, as far as I'm concerned, he was never actually on the show. But he clearly was, but, you know, I don't... I he, he When I think about the show, I never ever think about the kid they brought in years later. But, I, I, I'm willing to bet he's a nice guy in case he's listening, but you know, you get it right, dude. <laughs> you got it, dude. <laughs> so family ties. I, uh, Oh God, I fucking, I, I love, love, love this show. Uh, it, it became a huge, huge launching pad for, for Michael J. Fox, who just, especially in the eighties was just, he was one of those people who, who crossed over was a huge television star and he pulled off the impossible and became a movie star, especially in a time when you just didn't do that. You couldn't do it. He did. It became a legitimate movie star uh, with um, with uh, Back to the Future, which he filmed while he was still on uh, Family Ties. So he actually had like a huge TV show and then just a huge, a huge movie, uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, and then just went on to have a huge career in movies. And nowadays, that's very par for the course is that people actors on network tv shows when it's summer that's what they use their stuff yeah. to film a movie right like i mean mm-hmm. with, with buffy the vampire slayer sarah michelle geller would go off and film cruel intentions and all these other things i know but, she did the last but, um, summer and exactly exactly but I, like from what you're saying it seemed that that was not common to do not I, at all michael j fox managed to do all this while being canadian oh i God damn it! I forgot that part. Yeah, no wonder I love yeah, him so one much. One of us. One of us. <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah, I mean, even like I mean, Back to the Future. Obviously, if 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 that's if that's if if anybody can watch Back to the Future and 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 not love it, then frankly, I don't need to know you. But he did a lot of other movies, including one that I really loved as a kid called The Secret to My Success. 
uh, where he uh, he's he plays this character, young guy right out of school, wants to be a, a businessman, but he can't get a job. And his uh, his uncle has a connection, I guess, in, in this office, so he gets him a job is in in the mailroom. But he wants to move up, and so there's some guy in the office who I don't know if if, if he quit or if he died or something happened. But because he worked in the mailroom, he knows he knows that this guy's not showing up anymore. But nobody else knows it, and nobody seems to know who he is. So he takes on the identity of this guy and becomes like this big, big you know, wheeling dealing business person. Except the only people who would know that it, that it's not him, he has to you know, pretend like he's not that guy. And they they they're like, who is this? Who is this this amazing business person who's making all these wonderful decisions? We we haven't seemed to we haven't met him yet. Uh, it, it was really like TV hijinks, but inside of a movie. But I I love that one too. Um, but Michael J. Fox, huge, huge star that, that came out of this show. However, when you watch, especially when you watch season one of Family Ties, it's really clear this was not intended as, as, a, as a vehicle for Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. He was just meant to be a supporting player. The show, is, all you have to do is watch the opening credits of season one, and it's all about the parents. Like the kids appear nowhere in the opening credits. It's about the parents. But as so often happens, you know, the the character would like, you know, Michael J. Fox here, Urkel and Family Matters. Uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Anna. on Full yeah. House. Yeah, like the ones it wasn't meant to launch them, but they became the breakout star, and then very soon the show kind of gets built, you know, built around them. And actually, so for, um, sorry. Uh, no, 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 please go ahead. Um, with Friends, that show, if you watch the pilot episode and you look at the pictures and who's in the center, the whole show of Friends was supposed to be about Monica and her crazy friends. <laughs> but then Jennifer Aniston just got so huge and people were obsessed with the Ross and Rachel thing that mm-hmm. Monica and Chandler, they kind of became the supporting players and mm-hmm. Ross and Rachel got the meteor stories as the show progressed. So it's kind of funny how it does that. I think that if, you know, you start out as the star of a show to just secure your spot and make sure this doesn't happen, you need to be on a show like Buffy the Vampire Slayer because <laughs> if, if you're on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you're, say, Giles, you can't be a breakout star because it's not Giles <laughs> the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, and, and like especially like you know, like when Spike, when he clearly was breaking out as, as a huge character, he, he wouldn't ever be more than a... I mean, he got as far as being a love interest of Buffy, like that's how big he was, but it was still... Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she was never going to lose her spot. Yeah, the only thing that you can do is just get your contract renewed a bunch of times. <laughs> or Faith, like, I mean, you know, like, I mean, Faith, as Vampire Slayers go, uh, she's she's my number two favorite uh, Vampire Slayer in Sunnydale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would have happily watched Faith the Vampire Slayer. I mean, I, I watched Dollhouse just because I, I pretended I was watching Faith uh, the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Although, I love Dollhouse, but, but I anyway. I need to watch that one. But Family oh. Ties. <laughs> Family, I know, I already forgot what we were talking about. So Family Ties. So this is another one of those shows where um, it had some very interesting social dynamics. So again, the parents were these hippies who came of age in the 60s and peace and love and protesting wars. And uh, and their son, their, their eldest son, Alex, Alex P. Keaton. And, and the middle initial was always a big part of his, his identity, Alex P. Keaton. I, I don't know what the P stands for. It must stand for something. Keaton. P. <laughs> Uh, of course, Liz Hersey would think it's it's penis, <laughs> and so so against 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 all odds, these two lovely, sweet hippie parents have managed to raise um, this this money loving conservative, you know, Ronald Reagan worshiping kid, <laughs> and uh, and so especially in the eighties, you know, in eighties, Ronald Reagan was um, a very very popular president especially amongst you know you know uh, republicans and and wall street and and money and cash was king and all this that was really big uh in the 80s and 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 you know yuppies and all of these things so alex really kind of came to represent 
that part of the 80s. And so his parents represented this previous generation who, you know, um, clearly did nothing to that would have raised this kid except that he was just, you know, that nothing, he, that this was who he was going to be no matter what they did. And so that was that was the um, sort of the, the, the social dyna- dynamics of the show. But as a kid, completely over my head, had no idea that that's what was happening. I just loved this family. But then as a grown-up who was a, a little bit more aware of, of the world and, and culture and stuff, you know, that's kind of what they were what they were doing. And this is one of those shows where uh, as much as I loved it as a kid, when I recently went to revisit it, like as recently as, um, like say two or three years ago, it is as good as I remember it. That's so good. You know, That's I mean, awesome. it's still, it, it's still dated. It's still from the eighties, you know, it's still, an, it's, you know, but it's, it's, it's still good and it's still smart. And, 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 and Chanel had never seen it. And so I, I, I was showing you, I was, because on net it's on netflix so i think we started at season one and we were watching it and she she loved it she absolutely loved this this show that was like 30 years old and it's still you know held up with with an adult who she didn't have the advantage of loving it as a kid uh and she and she absolutely loved it in fact i might go back and watch watch it once we finish recording that's, that's like a fairy tale come true right and it's um uh, Justine Bateman, I remember she, you know, she was one of, she, she played the sister on the show. She's the sister of Jason Bateman. Right. Um, and, and, and they were both huge stars in the eighties, but she was definitely the bigger of the siblings. So, um, so you would have in, in the eighties, you would have never have guessed that he would have become a, like a, a, both a TV and a movie star as an adult. And she would become virtually, uh, anonymous. Nobody would have guessed that in the eighties cause she was a huge, huge, huge star. Um, that's kind of uh, like um elizabeth olsen mary kate and ashley's younger sister where um they're like mary kate and ashley they're 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 just based i don't know what they're doing but they're basically just famous for who they were in the 90s and elizabeth olsen she's like the indie america's sweetheart she's in all these kinds of movies um and uh sorry if i can digress into a story about her um she I remember in those uh straight to video little detective movies that uh, Mary Kate and Ashley were doing their actual siblings were in it like Elizabeth was the younger sister and I believe they had an older brother and part of this ongoing story is that Mary Kate and Ashley they were trying to solve these you know stupid like crimes that no one asked them to solve and their <laughs> tag along younger sister kept getting in the way and so and th- because it was a kids show or whatever there were there were songs that they would just sing halfway through. So to tell their sister in no uncertain terms that she wasn't wanted, they would sing a song to her called "Butt Out." And I remember um, when I was a kid, I had a play date with these two girls, and these two girls were best friends. And they were, you know, the best friends where they like, you know, how there's some best friends where they can be best friends and have another group of friends, and there's best friends who don't want anyone around. Well, they were very much the latter. And they did not appreciate my company. So I, you know, we were coming up with what we wanted to play. And they were like, oh, we want to play Mary Kate and Ashley. And so I said, but there's only two of them. And they're like, yeah, we're Mary Kate and Ashley and you're Lizzie, the sister. And so anytime we, we would kind of play and anytime I would say something, they would cut me off and sing B-U-T-T out to me. And fuck <laughs> those bitches because Elizabeth Olsen is more famous now. And I have a feeling I had something to do with that. I think you I, had like everything to, so. to do with it. And it, it's funny you mentioned that because as you told that story, I realized that uh, me and my brother, not, not my brother Greg, but my other brother and and my cousin, 
uh, we used to uh, play Three's Company, and that's true because <laughs> because as kids, we had no idea that we were recreating this this raunchy adult sitcom. It was just a a sweet show that that, that we loved as kids. Who was the cat in Heat? Um, you know what? I don't th- I don't think anybody. Uh, I don't think any. I don't. I don't, I don't think any of us took that role. In fact, it was two boys and a girls. So I don't even know how we worked that out because yeah. it was Jack and his two girl roommates. But I think maybe my cousin Mandy played. Maybe maybe she did dual roles and roles. And come to think of it, I was probably Larry, the uh, the Jack's um, slut best friend, because uh, my middle Naturally. name is Larry. So uh, obviously, right? That's it's so Type in retrospect. At, at I know early age. it's so easy, so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so, so with family ties, there's, there's a few things. Um, one that th- th- was just, again, just, uh, this is becoming an unintentional theme, but my brother, Greg, he wasn't an extra on family ties, but, loser. uh, <laughs> I know, right? Like that. It's just like, what happened, Greg? There were so many great shows that I loved. Why couldn't you be on all of them? Yeah. Just like you're on uh, all the podcasts, apparently. Till right, now, apparently, right? till now. No, no. Liz, Liz Hersey is going to overtake him. Um, uh, and who, who knows how many different ways. And so, but when he was a, a teen, a, a young uh, a kid, adolescent, teenager, something like that, I forget his, his, what the age was, but he did a lot of theater acting and he was in a show at the Roxy, which, uh, it was re- it's a really famous theater in, uh, in, in Hollywood. Um, uh, but he performed a, a variety show with, with a group of kids called, uh, what were they called? Uh, not, not ready for primetime players or too soon for primetime players, something like that. Uh, but they did a, a weekly show, it was like on Sunday afternoons at the Roxy, and um, uh, at least a few of them went on to have um, you know careers. Uh, one of them was is a, a recording artist named Martika, who uh, had a huge hit in the early '90s called Toy Soldiers. That Chanel, I, I would learn when we started dating, was just like uh, obsessed with that. And I was like, oh wow, that's. When she was like a huge like phenomenon you know a uh, pop star it didn't really translate to was like oh cool i know her she's she's really nice <laughs> um and so um and so early on when chanel and i were were dating my brother was having a birthday party and we were hanging out and i was like oh there's a martique over there and like she's like what she's like, like oh yeah you want to you know, like say hi or or whatever and again because even because even like even as an adult i could appreciate better that she was like a huge uh pop star at one point um but still it was like it was because all my memories ever were like as a kid and she being nice to me, like it was like, Oh yeah, that's a, it's a, what's your face. Let's go say hi or whatever. And so we didn't, we never went to say hi to her, but she came up and said hi to us. And she, it was just like, she was going to the bathroom or something and she stopped for a second and was like, I just want you guys to know you're the cutest couple here. And then she kept going and like Chanel still lives off of that story. Oh. <laughs> um, but another uh, performer, another kid performer who came out of that, uh, he got a role on Family Ties. He got a, he was he was a, a reoccurring character named Skippy. He was uh, Alex's best friend, Skippy. And Skippy had a huge crush on Mallory, who was Justine Bateman. And so that was another like and that was like super cool because, again, it was like I, I knew him because I would see him every weekend at the Roxy and he was very nice. And then all of a sudden he was on TV with my favorite family. And it was like the very cool, uh, uh, surreal thing. Um, but possibly even even more, even more impactful than that. And that was actually very cool for me was um, uh, uh, an, an, an unknown, uh, an unknown actor who's who went on to have a, a nice little career. Uh, name uh, Mr. Tom Hanks um, had a huge star-making appearance on Family Ties, which I think in some ways history has not forgotten it, but I think Family Ties is probably taken for granted in terms of uh, 
uh, what it did for Tom Hanks' career because he was he wasn't in movies yet. And wasn't he on his uh, own sitcom called Bosom Buddies? He was on a show called Bosom Buddies. Yeah, which uh, um, I liked it um but there's probably a reason it's not in heavy syndication but i think it was okay <laughs> uh and, and so in in family ties he played a character named uncle ned and uncle ned was just like the, such the re- a pedophile name <laughs> <laughs> totally uh uncle ned donnelly and he was just uh the really cool charismatic uncle and all the kids loved him when he came over i bet they did and in the in his in his second appearance on the show um we would learn that Uncle Ned was an alcoholic and he had lost his job and he had this he he was struggling with this with the with with this you know alcoholism and Alex just loved his Uncle Ned and looked up to him so much and he uh, Alex I think went into the kitchen one night or something and then Ned was uh he was he was fiending for some alcohol and then the Keatons I guess didn't have any alcohol in the house at the time and he was just looking for anything. And I remember he got a jar of maraschino cherries and dumped out the cherries and was just drinking the, 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 the cherry juice, which I guess has alcohol. I still don't know, but I still remember that, that he was just trying to get some, a little, a uh, little alcohol in his, in his system. And, uh, and then I, I, I forget uh, at some point in the episode, he and Alex were having some sort of a confrontation. I don't know if Alex was, he was he was doing it was it was it felt like a, a an intervention of sorts and, and Uncle Ned was getting very frustrated with him and maybe maybe Alex had something like a bottle of beer or something and Ned wanted it and Alex didn't want him to have it because he he realized that his Uncle Ned was having like some trouble here and his Uncle Ned was getting like very upset and he smacked Alex in the face Ooh. and and I think uh, the parents might have been there to see it and I remember as a kid. It was a sitcom, but there was no laugh track. There was no there was no comic relief. They just made a decision to go very dark and very dramatic and like deal with an issue. And as a kid, I, I felt the weight of it. It was like, oh, this there's nothing. This is and I I couldn't I didn't know how to articulate it as a kid, but I just remember the feeling of like, this is fucking heavy. What's 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 happening? And and I wasn't upset by it, but I was I, I was it was very it left a, a huge impression on me. And like, even now when I think about it, it was probably like my first real exposure to how in, in writing, how you, how you can, how, how drama and comedy can, how you, how you can switch and it can be so effective and it could be, you know, this, this lovely man, uncle Ned, and he's got this problem. And then just on a dime, there's, there's this dramatic scene. And I remember, um, the dad putting his foot down. I mean, he didn't like go beat him up because he was a hippie, I guess, but, Telling him, you know, he's got a he's got a problem and to call, he's got to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. He's got, to, you know, it was just it's like this whole thing. And and Ned and, and Tom Hanks, it was just this beautiful. Uh, it, 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 for a sitcom, you know, he was he was showing the the the, the future the the future acting chops of you know Tom Hanks movie star, and he was just like you know, just uh, the second he smacked his his little his teenage nephew Alex, he was immediately heartbroken and there was regret and. He called up, uh, you know, he, he got on the phone to call uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And he jokingly called AAA and he was trying to have a laugh about it, but nobody was laughing because, you know, this is serious. And so he realized, you know, he can't laugh his way out of this. And it's like all these things I remember so, so clearly. Of, and, and that's just like one, that's just one of many beautiful, brilliant episodes of Family Ties where, you know, it, it was a sitcom and it was funny and it was filmed in front of a live studio audience, but it was really smart and they would, deal with issues like 
like that. And even as a kid, even I don't think I even completely understood what alcoholism, but I completely got that there was something wrong with the uncle and it was affecting the family. And, and it was just, just a great show. Really, 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 really holds up. If you've never seen it, Liz, go on Netflix and check. I, I never it. had seen it, but it was recent enough that I had heard of it as a child. Like when I was a kid, I hadn't heard of different strokes or I think three's company they referenced in full house. They sang the song or something, but um, <laughs> with family ties, I remember that, um, my parents watched, I think my parents really, that was one of their first shows as a couple because they got married in 1982. Okay. So that would have been, um, a, like I think you said it debuted in 1982, so that would have made sense. Yep. And I remember there was one one of those TV stations where all basically all they do is show sitcoms and syndication. They were going to do a marathon of the the viewers top 10 or top 20 favorite family ties episodes and he would go online to vote for it and at this point my mom when with we had the internet in the house but she she didn't have much reason to use it it was mainly us kids playing games and my dad using it for email and stuff but she was on every day voting for the episode where they threw the parents went away and he threw a party that's what she was voting for so um (laughs) So that that's basically the only thing I know about Family Ties. I, I think it's very good that I did not see the episode where Tom Hanks hit Michael J. Fox because as a child, <laughs> I would not be able to stop masturbating. <laughs> it would have surpassed uh, Sailor Moon. That particular episode, just for the sake of uh, history, that was January 26, 1984, Happened on episode fourteen of season two. So I think Uncle Ned appeared in season one, um, and maybe like one or two episodes, and then came back in season two. And I guess the writers realized that there was some uh, some opportunity there. I don't think Tom Hanks had done Splash yet. I, I feel like he. Would, I think he did. I, 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 the way that I remember it, um, that that role of Uncle Uncle Ned on Family Ties is really what um, kind of sparked his his, uh, his acting career. And from that point, because Splash came out right around 84, 85, and Tom Hanks is, uh, never never quite looks back. He's still, he's still he's still got a career, that kid. Just a little uh, bit. Oh, oh, and actually something else, too. Uh, Courtney Cox. She, uh, she had a, a, a recurring role for a while on Family Ties where uh, she was Alex's girlfriend when I think he was in uh, college, and I had a huge crush on, on uh, Courtney Cox. I, don't, I didn't even know what a crush was, but um, I wanted to crush her. And with your my cocks. brother, right? Just exactly. <laughs> I don't know if you have like a spare one in your back. No, no, no. Listen, well, I'll use, I'll use, I'll use both of them. Um, <laughs> and, and so my brother Greg at the time had a friend who, uh, to my eye was not just the spitting image of Courtney Cox. I was convinced that she was on family ties and everybody was keeping this a secret from me. And I remember well, like one day she was hanging out with my brother and I was watching family ties and I was like, fuck, there she is. Why won't anybody just just come clean and let just just admit it? I know you're dating Michael, <laughs> you're dating Alex on Family Ties. Just 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 admit it, everybody. What's your problem? That's funny uh, that you say that because um, when I was uh, in I think the first grade, there was a, a Canadian show called Road to Avonlea that was on, and it was about um, like it took place I think at like early early twentieth century, so it was like olden times, and it. And it was about, you know, this family and all this stuff. And um, the main character was this girl named Sarah. She was a, a rich girl who, um, this isn't part of my list, by the way. Um, she's a rich girl <laughs> whose father got into some legal trouble. 
so she ha- and her mother was deceased, so she had to go stay with her aunts in the country, and she met her cousins, and she was very, very much a fish out of water. And the actress was, uh, do you know Sarah Polly? Oh God, it sounds terribly familiar. She, I bet I would know her she's face. A, she directs mainly now a lot of Canadian stuff, but her big mainstream movie was a movie called Go with Katie Holmes. Okay, I know the movie. I haven't seen. Yeah, it, well, there was this girl in my school. She was, and I in where I went to school. It was a public school that ran kindergarten to grade eight. So I never went to a separate school for middle school. I was at that school from the age of five up till 14. So there were big kids around all the time. That's what we called them. And there was this one girl who, she was probably in about grade seven or grade eight, and she had blonde hair, and she looked so much like Sarah Polly. And I was obsessed with this show. So I would just kind of, like, follow her around a little bit, like a little stalker. And at one, <laughs> I remember one time I was, like, I, I was too shy to go up to her, but I kind of waved to her. And then, like, her bitchy friend was just like, why are you waving at us? And then I just left them alone after that. <laughs> but that was my kind of – it's funny that we both have these – not quite brushes with stardom. <laughs> <laughs> like that, like that's how much you and I like love TV that we we could swear that there was TV people around us all Invent the time. Them. <laughs> so that was uh, so that was uh, so we are just about uh, two hours into this, and we've nice. gotten barely to the halfway point. But it's good. I'm listen. I'm I. I'm enjoying all of this. I'm loving care. this. It's like a just refreshing walk down memory memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to number four. Liz Hersey. So what's number four on your list? Okay, this show is on my list because it is the first show that I remember watching on primetime. Like back in the olden days when you didn't just watch TV whenever the fuck you wanted. It was, if you want to watch a new episode, you had to tune in at, you know, eight o'clock or later to watch this episode of this show. And it's funny that you mentioned watching Full House on TGIF because this show was also on TGIF. And it is okay. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, all right. Yeah, so it's about an American teenager who on her 16th birthday discovers she has magical powers and she lives with her 600-year-old aunts and their magic talking cat. And I loved this show so much because this was, I was in the fourth grade when I first started watching the show. I think it had only been on for one season. But it was, I loved witches and supernatural anything when I was a kid, and I still do. And it was also the late 90s when Freddie Prince Jr. was in every other movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on, Dawson's Creek was on, all these teen shows. It was the era of the teenager, and I couldn't wait to be one. I was nine or 10. And I just, <laughs> and I, listeners will know that I've mentioned more than once about my strict parents. They were very strict in terms of, what entertainment we were allowed to consume. And if anything was inappropriate or too sexual, they just put the kibosh on that. And I could tell, you know, they weren't doing this to be dicks. They, they felt really bad that I was at the age where I was too old to watch these kids shows, but I was too young to watch the shows I wanted to watch. So Sabrina, the teenage witch was just such a godsend for them because it was a show I legitimately wanted to watch about teenagers and it's totally family friendly because it's on TGIF. And at the time it, it was that show and boy meets world that were the big headliners of TGIF. Like back in the day, it was family matters and full house. It was mm-hmm. Sabrina and boy meets world. And I love Boy Meets World too, but not nearly as much as Sabrina because it was 
high school. It was witchcraft. I thought Salem the cat, he was so dry and witty. He would just crack me up to the point of tears every time. And it was a show that my parents enjoyed watching too. And being nine or 10, it's a weird age where when it's Friday night, you're not going out with your friends or getting together. You might have a play date after school or a sleepover, but you're probably at home watching TV with your parents, which is why mm. TGIF was so great. So I, I loved Sabrina. I just, and I just wanted to, I was just so jealous of her powers. I would just imagine, like, I would just point to, she just point to things. That was how she cast her little spells. And I would just do that and just wish, just wish that stuff like that would happen. Cause I just, I, I loved it. It, it was just, it was perfect. It was like Buffy. It's essentially Buffy light. It's, it's a girl who she has to keep her superpowers a secret. She's not really fitting in in school. And so it formed a lot of my childhood for sure. Yeah. I also loved uh, Sabrina, the teenage witch and watched it. I, I, I actually forgot it was a TGIF show, but that's clearly where I, where I would have seen it. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I don't, I don't know that I had a crush on Melissa Joan Hart, but I was definitely, she was definitely in my, in my, um, in, in, in my radar. She also had, what was it? Clarissa explains it all. Yeah, that's the first place I saw her. In fact, I think that's the reason I probably liked Sabrina so much is like, I, I felt a, in that show, I watched it a little bit. I didn't think it was great, but again, if it was TV and it was better than not watching TV. So like I would watch it and then seeing her get like a, a network show on channel ABC, which again, like as an adult, I can, I can see the, I can appreciate, you know, going from a, a cable show to a network show. But as a kid, I guess some part of me could appreciate like, oh, this is cool. This is kind of a big deal for her. And watching this actor who's probably not much older than me and kind of progress and have a career and we're kind of growing up together. Like, I remember having a lot of thoughts about that. And then um, uh, she appeared in uh, one of my favorite teenage movies, uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Well, I, I, was, I love I was like, Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, I love that one too. And so she was in there. So, and so I wouldn't, so I didn't have a crush on her per se, but I, 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 I was, I was conscious of sort of consciously like following her career. And then a few years ago, she was on uh, Dancing with the Stars. Um, uh, I don't think she did very well, but I was happy to see her. I'm happy to see her on there. <laughs> Chanel, not only does she love Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but, um, Sabrina, she, uh, she has a, there's a comic book series and Chanel is just fucking balls deep in it. She absolutely loves <laughs> this comic book series. And it's, it's, uh, it's called, uh, it's the chilling adventures of Sabrina. And it's, it's, it's the Sabrina that, you know, but it's totally dark and it's totally horror. And it's, there's Sabrina's there and Salem's there and the two ants are there. It's, it's, it's the Sabrina that, you know, but just completely dark and horror and it's not meant for kids. And it's, um, and Chanel is just fucking. Just, it's she's obsessed with it. She fucking loves it. They've they've only done five issues of it, and uh, I'm just as I talk about it, I'm looking at issue number five because it's the most recent one. And just to give you an idea, uh, the cover of issue five, it's it's Sabrina. She's floating just you know, about a foot off the air with, with a broom. Behind her is a wall. It's a wall full of blood and bloody handprint, and then a pentagram painted in blood behind her. Oh snap! There were no pentagrams on the show I watched. No, no, no. So this is so it's it's the it's the it's the exact Sabrina. It's the same Sabrina. They're not trying to. It's just totally, totally dark. And and, and one thing I didn't know was Sabrina came out of the universe of the Archie comics. Yes, I read those and, a little bit. I, well, Betty and Veronica were. And so, I read. yeah. So so in the comic book world, they they've basically 
uh, re rebooted, repurposed it. Where make they're like they're the whole Archie horror series. There's like there's like a whole series of comics of Archie, and there's like the zombies and Archie. My sister read those. Zombies. I remember looking at them because we mm-hmm. were obsessed with Betty and Veronica when we were kids. So just to go back and see it. Yeah, apparently uh, we were at the comic book store the other day, and the the gal at the shop was telling us that um, like Betty and Veronica, like I think one of them is like like a meth addict or something like that. <laughs> I'm just like, just totally, just all the characters you recognize, but just like totally dark and it's not meant for kids. And uh, I guess they're developing a TV show with the, with this new dark Archie, uh, Archie world, which of course it's TV. So that means we'll probably be watching it anyway. We'll probably be talking that. about it. Very, I know. I can't wait to watch it. I remember there was an animated um, Archie and friends kind of series where it was like one of those, basically it was like, they were just ripping off Scooby-Doo. It was, they would solve mysteries and there were ghosts and stuff. And I don't think it lasted very long, but I remember that that definitely didn't make the list. Cause I don't even remember what it was called, <laughs> but yeah, with Sabrina, one thing I loved about Sabrina is that Melissa Joan Hart plays such a good every woman, right? Like she, Sabrina Spellman, she's not very popular. She don't like, she kind of, she volunteers at the school newspaper and, and she has one good friend. Um, I think the first season it was a curly hair girl named Jenny. But when I started watching it, it was this really hot brunette named Valerie. who was my favorite <laughs> because she was a brunette. But at the same time, you know, Sabrina, she's she's unpopular and she's not a cool cheerleader like Libby. But yet she has this hot guy who everyone in the school wants to date. And it gave me a very unrealistic expectation of what high school would be like, I have to say, because I was just like, you know, I don't have to be the most popular girl, but I'm going to date all these hot guys. Just you wait. Well, jokes on me. (laughs) How dare they listen? Did they they have no idea? That you were going to be a future contributor to the Marginal Strap Show podcast hour. Well, I'm guessing they're getting some inkling now. <laughs> and finding out what they missed out on. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, still, thanks to them for just, you know, and it was just such a relief to be able to watch something that my friends watched and that, you know, I wasn't able to participate in the Dawson's Creek conversations and only little bits here and there of Buffy from what I've read. And But when we talk about Sabrina, that's where I could really you know, weigh my opinion in. And, and to this day, I I love talking about TV. So that was huge for me that there was like an appropriate show that I got to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, not that long ago when, uh, uh, Sabrina was on, it came on, um, it was either Netflix or Hulu, but somewhere where you could stream it. So Chanel and I watched, uh, rewatched a few uh, episodes and it's still very sweet. Like I, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much the exact, it's the exact show that you remember. It's very harmless, but it's, it's very, it's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good show. All right. So, so speaking of harmless, um, number four on my list, it's where we're, we're going into the realm of controversy and I don't do this on purpose. And I, 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 I did not make this pick to be controversial, but it's, there's no other way around it because it, it had to be on my list. It's a, it's not, it's another NBC show. This was from 1984 and it's the Cosby show. Ooh, hot take. And I know. And it, it would have been really easy for me to leave this off the list just for the, for, for, uh, for for you know to avoid the controversy, but that wouldn't be fair to young Martin, who was greatly affected and had great affection for the Cosby Show. It was just one of my absolute favorite television shows uh, growing up, and of course now I'll, I hear stories about Bill Cosby inviting young women for auditions without without any intention of ever actually putting them on the show because 
you know, he was doing what, you know. You know whatever. what I have to say to that, Martin? What? What a world we live in. <laughs> uh, thank you. N- n- nice callback to my nice story about uh, <laughs> being in court. Um, <laughs> so the Cosby Show. Uh, so it chronicles the goings on of the Huxtable family, an upper middle class African-American family living in Brooklyn, New York. So again, uh, what uh, an unintentional theme of all my shows I'm realizing is a lot of them have like really strong social themes to them. And so uh, the theme with the Cosby show was, especially in the 80s, Not this isn't exclusive to the 80s, but I think people were aware of this in the 80s, um, and really coming out, coming out of the 70s too, that if you were, uh, if you were African-American and you were an actor or you were just an African-American who enjoyed watching television and movies, anytime you saw another uh, African-American actor it was very often in the role of uh, of a criminal or a thief or a maid or a prostitute right. or a drug dealer, and it was never positive and never in, in a in a huge you know prominent role, and uh, and particularly if you liked watching TV, if you saw sitcoms, I mean there were sitcoms with black characters. Like one, a really famous one that comes to mind, um, is called uh, oh fuck, it's now it's all of a sudden it's, it's escaping me. Racist. I know. Uh, oh God, it's got uh, Jimmy J.J. Walker for anybody who's listening and keeping. Go ahead and scream at me because I because I can't think. Of I the name plead of, that I was too young to know what it is. Here's what I'm going to do because it's so it's 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 it's, it's not even on my list. But I need to give me just one second list because I I got to I got to bring it up <laughs> because it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna hurt my soul and every everybody listening who knows exactly what show that I'm talking about. Cause I used to watch it in syndication. Good times. Oh fuck. Okay. It's called good times. And so good times, it, it was a sitcom about it. It was, it was, it had the, all the structures of a sitcom with, you know, mom, dad, kids living together. But, but you know, the, the show took place in the project. So they were a very poor family took place in the projects. Um, they were on welfare and it, it was a good show, smart show dealt with a lot of social issues, but you know, one of the criticisms of the show was that, you know, it, they, that, 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 you know, they were still like this, this poor struggling black family, which in some ways was lending itself to at the very least uh, certain uh, uh, mainstream stereotypes. So with the Cosby show, um, what Bill Cosby did is he created a sitcom, you know, mom, dad, kids, and he, it's, it's basically, they, they weren't a struggling family that, you know, Bill Bill Cosby's character was a lawyer. His wife was a doctor. Uh, his uh, his kids were bright and took school seriously. And the fact that they were a black family, by and large, was incidental. And that was part of the point for uh, of the show was it's just a, an upper middle class back you know black family with the with the two parents are successful and they're raising good kids and. They have the fact that they happen to be black is sort of incidental. So, um, so especially it, it, like the social aspect of it is if you were growing, especially if you were a young African-American kid and you were watching TV, one thing that Bill Cosby was aware of was the, the power of television and how powerful this medium is, especially for when you're developing and then you're a young adolescent. And so he very purposefully wanted, you know, amongst other things, wanted to show on TV where if you were a kid watching this, Oh, there's a black doctor and there's a black lawyer and look at this nice black family. Look at this nice home. Look at this nice career. Are they going to college? All these things of, you know, understanding the power of the medium. And as a kid, I didn't 
necessarily understand or appreciate that, but certainly as as an, as an adult, I can look back, especially you know, reflect reflecting on the the history of of, of TV and realizing, you know, uh, why that was such a, an important moment. Um, and so uh, and so, hey, it's first it kind of fucking breaks my heart that Bill Cosby forever is like that's not what he's going to be remembered for. Um, I mean, that's his own fault. And then he painted the show that so many people loved is the real he, tragedy. Yeah, because, I mean, th- th- it's hard. That so many networks don't even put it. They, they took it out of syndication. And like, they don't even play honestly, it. Honestly, like, I mean, I, I don't want to get... I, I like to joke around. I don't like to get too political or say, you know, go on and on about how I feel about issues. But I, I think that it is kind of a crying shame that they did take it off the um, all, syndication and all that stuff. Because if... Listen, if Bill Cosby, if it was a one-man show, if he directed it, if he wrote it, if he did all the costumes for it, then, yeah, remove it from the social stratosphere. But think of, there, he wasn't on the show alone. There were so many other people who, you know, the, the checks that they could have got from syndication. And I, I just, I, I don't agree with taking it, just yeah. removing it, because it was so beloved in people's hearts. And just because this isn't, you know, well... Bill Cosby did horrible, horrible things. People still love the Hoxtables, and I still think that. It's just, it's a crying shame is what I have to Absolutely. say. And, and as you say that, I realize I got the careers backwards. Uh, uh, Bill Cosby was the doctor. The wife was the lawyer. I'm sure there was somebody screaming at me just now. I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to give you a minor stroke while you were driving because I got the careers mixed up. Think That's of all my the pile-ups we have caused. I know. There's so so many so many car accidents we've caused in the last two, two and a half hours. <laughs> Uh, Lisa Bonet also, she, she's actually, she's, a, she went on one of those actors who was, um, crossed over and, and became a, a movie star and she'll still, still see her once in a while appear in a movie here or there, a TV show here and there, um, spent some time married to, uh, to, to Lenny Kravitz. They, they, they made a beautiful daughter who has a career as a model and, and an actress now. I'm not sure what her name is. Something Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> and um so there's so many great things i remember about the cosby show i mean like it just uh, similar not unlike some of your memories of, of arthur like just dealing with just issues that either i did recognize or i would come to recognize or just just whether it was like uh, the, the the teenage son not doing well in school and then learning he was uh, i think he had dyslexia and i don't have dyslexia but i remembered i i, I struggled with school and i would later learn in large part because of um, the the sort of rigid construct of you know um, grade school didn't really vibe well with my sort of free spirit creative soul I guess. Um, so stuff with the kids like that or the or, or the daughter Denise played by, by Lisa Bonet who, um, sort of a rebel and didn't really want to go to college or uh, actually one thing I remember about the show is I especially as a kid I swear. Uh, Dr. Huxtable and his wife, Claire, they were just fucking making out hard and dry humping all the time. Like, like my memory was just, there was like tongues and dry humping and just like semi, it was, it was, it was very, it was, um, it, it, as a kid, it felt very erotic and titillating. And I was like, wow, this is, cr-. and of course, you know, you watch now and it's just very sweet sitcom kissing, but I guess somehow as a kid, I, I maybe I was just so. I don't. I, I can't even say I was. I was shielded, but I guess there was something about them kissing that just looked like they were just like just fucking heavy, just just you know Bill Cosby just like wetting his pants, dry humping <laughs> his wife, which I don't think he was. I don't. Well, maybe he was. I don't know. 
Um, How hot would it have been if they would have got the landlady from Three's Company to join them in bed together? <laughs> See, I, I bet she was watching the Cosby show and just, uh, you know, just, just rubbing one out on a weekly basis. Yeah, well, she could, should have flicked over to Sailor Moon, but I've... <laughs> in fact, I hope she's listening to the show. If she's still alive, I hope she's alive somewhere. And, and she's getting some, uh, some ideas. <laughs> Um, and so, so there's, there's an episode that stood out as a highlight to me. And it's not even that it was my favorite episode, but it represents how powerful this sh- this show was for me as a kid. So the episode was called "The Birth." It was a it was a season five. It was a two part episode, episode six and seven. This was in November of 1988, and it was uh, the Cosby's oldest daughter, who she was so old that she wasn't a regular on the show, but she was sometimes come and visit from college and stuff. Um, so she, her name was Sandra. So she was a regular, but not a weekly regular. Right. Recurring and guest so, star. Yeah. So she, uh, she later got uh, married and then she was pregnant. And I remember uh, it was a huge, one of those huge, very special episodes of when she was going to give birth and the Huxbulls were going to get their first grandkid. It was, it was a really big deal. And, um, and so that, the, the week of that episode, uh, my brother and I got in trouble and this was not my fault, Lizher. So you need to know that right off the bat. Was this Greg? I, this reeks of Greg. It should be, but no, oh. it was our, it was my other brother who was, if I was ever in trouble, it was because he got me caught up into something that it was not my fault. And hijinks so, ensued. Right. We were our own little sitcom. Uh, I, I, so we were, it was so not my fault that he was. Well, what do we do? He was chasing me through the house. See, right away, he's chasing me. I, I am not the agent in this in this trouble. Chasing me, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. I don't want to get... I don't even know why he wanted to beat me up. He, I don't think... Half the time, I don't even think he had a reason. I just took beatings. So I think uh, he was chasing me through the house, and uh, I sort of like in the movie reached a dead end, which was my sister's room, and I'm like knocking on her door looking for a refuge, and then... <laughs> She makes a big deal out of it because she doesn't care that I'm about to get. He, she, just her little brothers are being annoying, and she's like screaming. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we broke something. I really don't know what happened. But whatever it was, my mom was very upset, and she punished us. And 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 so, so the the worst punishment you could possibly give Martin was you can't watch TV. Oh, you may as well, you may as well just just you know cut my dick off. That's like the worst <laughs> thing that you can do is tell me that I can't watch TV. And she must have known that because that was the punishment. We didn't get, my mother never spanked me because what, you know, sure it would have hurt, but if you really want to hurt me, take TV away. Oh God, just, I'd rather take a whipping for two hours than to take TV away. But that's exactly what happened. And here's the thing, Lissercy, I got in trouble. And again, it wasn't my fault, but I got in trouble the week of the episode no. where Sandra wanted to give birth to her kids. And I was just so heartbroken that I, you know, just tail between my legs, went to my mother, knocked on her door. She was, you know, she was probably still coming down from having to, you know, be mad. And however I said, I was like, listen, I know I'm in trouble. I'm going to take ownership of that. The punishment is understood. No TV. Here's the thing. This Thursday at 8 o'clock, Bill Cosby and his family, they're going to welcome these kids into the family. They're going to be twins. Mommy. And this is... I. I, I know I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm not. I'm not asking to get out of this. But can I please, please watch this episode of the Cosby Show on Thursday? I, I don't have to watch anything else. I'm still in trouble. That doesn't go away. But can? They, but but this is so important to me. Can I please watch it? And I must have been so convincing that she agreed to give me a, just just for thirty minutes, not, not just for thirty minutes of the week. Let me sit on the couch 
and watch this very special episode of the Cosby Show. And then um, I, I, I snuck in like a, about five or ten minutes of A Different World, which was the, the spinoff that followed after it because I was like, no one's saying anything. I'm going to keep watching. <laughs> and then about like five minutes in, my mom realized like, okay, that, that's, that's enough. Go go to your room. And I was like, oh, fuck. All right, you, you got it. Listen, we made a deal. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own up to that deal. I got You let me watch the Cosby Show, and I appreciate that. And now I'm going to go back to my room. And so so that was how powerful the Cosby yeah. well, Show was for me as a kid. I think you missed your calling as a lawyer because that like a, <laughs> like a John Grisham lawyer where, you know, you're saying all this crazy stuff and the defense is yelling, objection, objection. But the judge is so riveted because, I mean, I, I was moved and I know that this happened probably when I was an infant, but I was ready to be like, let him watch the show. <laughs> Thank you, Liz Cersei. That that makes me feel good. I'm I'm actually glad to hear that. And uh, the other thing that I think is worth mentioning, just to to really truly appreciate the context of this for anybody listening now, if they're like a young person who might not truly appreciate it, it was so important because we didn't have Netflix, we didn't have Hulu, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have YouTube. If I missed this episode the week that it aired, I just fucking missed it. Yeah. And that was that was so much of the power of. I can't like, you know, if, if if I got in trouble today and had the media taken away from me, okay, I'll watch it next week on Hulu or, or somebody will record it on their DVR. There's so many options. But at that time in 1988, those weren't options. TV was, it was you planned your life around the shows that you loved. And if you got in trouble as a kid, you were fucked unless you had the ability to talk your mom into letting you watch <laughs> one episode of one show the week that you got in trouble. Uh, and so, and, 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 and you know, again, it wasn't even my favorite episode, but just just to illustrate how huge the Cosby Show was for was for me, that uh, there was that story, and that's my number four. That's funny. I remember. Um, that's so funny that you mentioned it because for me, a, a very effective punishment was not letting me watch my favorite show, and with Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I don't I don't remember the story. I don't remember what happened. I think typically I, I I didn't get I was very much not the kid who got into wacky hijinks, but I my mouth has been known to get me in trouble. I'll, you know, vo- vocalize my opinion or too much or something. That's usually what got me into trouble as a kid is I would say something rude or not polite, whatever. And so the episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch that I wasn't allowed to watch was the one where, for whatever reason, she cast a spell to turn herself into a guy. I think it was because she was worried about what her boyfriend Harvey really thought about her. And guys only talk about that stuff around other guys. So she transformed herself into a dude to... um, to see what, you know, talk to Harvey and see what he really thought of Sabrina. And I'm... About 10 years younger than you. So like you, I couldn't, you know, just pick it up on Netflix. But we had a VCR. And I remember asking my mom, like, okay, like, I won't watch it. But can we tape it in the VCR? She said, no. Oh. So because that was the thing is, you know, if you missed your show, it was it was a pain, but you could still tape it. So as Mm. long as everything went kosher with the VCR, you still got she wouldn't let me watch it. And so I just went to my room and what I did, and I asked if I could use the phone. And the only thing I was being punished with was no TV. I called my friend and I said, and I'm like, oh, what? And she said, oh, I have to go. I'm going to go watch Sabrina. And I said, can you put the phone up to the TV? <laughs> and so I listened to it in my room, in my pajamas, like it was a radio play. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> 
That is awesome. And it also rem- reminded me of uh, one of my favorite movies from the 80s. I think it was called Just One of the Guys. And uh, it's a high school girl, and she wants to write for the school newspaper. But for some reason, they won't let her, and it has something to do with her being a girl. I don't know what it is. Well, because so women she... aren't people, Martin, at least yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, no, of course, obviously not. <laughs> so I think she transferred to another school, but she, she transferred as a, under the identity of, of a boy and um, and was writing for for the paper and making these made this like boy best friend, but she was like falling in love with him. Uh, but of course, you know, he thinks she's a boy, so she can't possibly let him know that she's falling in love with him. And uh, I think it's good. I don't know. I, maybe I should go back and watch it and find out it wasn't, but I, I have fond memories of it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so is that it for uh, the Cosby show? That, that's it for the Cosby show. We have actually reached the uh, number five, which is the end of our respective list. So... Um, I I, I, I I would say like man we just flew by but we've actually been doing this for almost no, three hours. I think hours. I celebrated a fortieth birthday somewhere in there. <laughs> I mean, in terms of joy, it has flown by, but it doesn't even feel like it, we've been talking for almost three has. hours. <laughs> so number five, see, and this is the reason why we had to limit it to five episodes because we both knew oh, this God, was if going it was to happen. 10, holy man, we'd be. <laughs> I'm not super religious, but we'd be here to the rapture. We would be. Yeah. <laughs> Easily, easily. So number five on your list, Ms. Liz Hersey, okay. go for it. So this show that I'm about to mention, it certainly, you know, I mentioned the VCR and for my favorite shows, I would just, there was no TV on DVD because that was what came before Netflix is you could get these box sets of full seasons of shows. And Absolutely. I mean, if if you had enough money to like write a contract in blood and promise your firstborn child because they were so fucking expensive once upon a time this was before that so i would if i wanted to watch my favorite shows over and over i would have cassette tapes upon cassette tapes of my favorite shows and this show i'm about to mention i i never really recorded it too much but it has it it, i'm mainly mentioning it because it's so funny that i watched it and i'll give a little bit of backstory i'll tease it a little longer before i let it come Um, wonderful (laughs) tease Go ahead, tease us, Liz Hersey. Okay, so I've mentioned parents very strict with the TV. Um, and I have a cousin named Alyssa who was my age, born the same year. And if my parents were strict with the TV, hers were even worse, right? It was like a Stalin to Hitler kind of thing. So they they were so strict. They were so strict with the TV. And one of the things that, Alyssa and I bonded over was that we couldn't watch all these shows like a Dawson's Creek or a Buffy that our friends could. And so one time I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the big deal was with our parents. I know that religion had something to do with it, but even though we went to church every Sunday, my parents weren't, you know, smacking me with Bibles or anything. So I don't know what they thought they were protecting me from. Like if I watched these shows, I would turn out to be, you know, some crazy sex maniac who can only climax if she's being verbally abused but <laughs> jokes on you I right. know that way anyway so <laughs> so this show I remember I was for whatever reason I was being babysat by my aunt and Alyssa was home and she said do you want to watch this show with me and I like just from the name of it I said I couldn't believe it I'm like are you allowed to watch this show are we going to get in trouble and she said my mom watches it with me it's totally fine ready for this Martin the I show, am so ready. Murder, she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, I, my I, God. Sheer luck that, you know, 
typically I think my parents were sheltering me from sex on TV, but also violence to a degree. And I'm like, we're allowed to watch the show where murder's in the title? Idiots. <laughs> Don't they realize this, you know, this rabbit hole we're going? Uh-huh. Angela Lansbury was the perfect Trojan horse. <laughs> she was. She was. And I remember watching this show. And so we sat down with my aunt and watched it. And I, you know, I... I kind of got that this was an acceptable show to watch. I had no idea that it was the quintessential stereotype for elderly people to watch. I had no <laughs> idea. And I loved mysteries as a kid. And I mean, now I'm part of the best detective podcasting duo out there. <laughs> <laughs> dream fulfilled but i was obsessed with the board game clue and there were books about it like these little mysteries for kids and all this stuff and i watched a couple other shows called um about like they were perfect for tween girls this was um there was the adventures of uh the mystery files of shelby woo and the adventures of shirley holmes i watched those shows but murder she wrote i felt like i was watching an adult show you know it because it wasn't meant for kids i mean mm-hmm. it didn't have you know, crazy, you know, Angela Lansbury fucking eight guys at once or anything like that. That might have been a Easter egg on the DVDs. I don't know. but Something um, like that, yeah. But it was it was a show, and I liked that. I liked that I could watch something that was meant for adults. That was a really, like, and it was it was a good show. It was a, there was a good mystery every time, and she went all over the States. There was one episode, I loved anything to do with movie stars or anyone famous, and I think she was at a movie premiere in Hollywood in one episode. She She traveled all over the place. And so I was just so happy that I got to be in on this adult world because all I wanted to do was be older than I was when I was this. I would have been about 12 when this was on 12, 13 when I watched it. And a lot of shows um, that I watched were half hour shows. And typically in syndication, they show the same show back to back. And so that, like, if I had nothing to do on the weekend or if it was summertime and I couldn't find a friend to play with, I would watch maybe a half-hour show, and that would be maybe good for an hour of TV. But Murder, She Wrote was on all the fucking time, and there would always be back-to-back episodes, and that would be two hours of adult mystery intrigue. Let's go, Jessica Fletcher. It was amazing. And <laughs> and one thing that was so funny is that every episode, I mean, this this woman is a walking curse because she's not involved. It's not like TV nowadays where everyone's involved with the mafia or drug dealers or whatever. She's just this innocent crime writer, and yet everywhere she goes, just for some normal reason, a murder happens. You would think that they would just, you know, do the world the public could and lock this bitch away. But <laughs> every time she would travel because her her nephew is, you know, in this pie eating contest, or her niece wrote the script for Hollywood. Every episode, this show ran twelve seasons with 264 episodes, just about every single one of them, she was off visiting a different niece or nephew. Like, this woman (laughs) must have been part of some cult. And it's so funny because she was the real smart one because she didn't have any kids. So she got to keep her tight vagina and still get to go all across the States. So that is why Murder, She Wrote is on my list. I I want to say, I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen one episode of it, but entirely aware of it. Um, It was, my memory of Murder, She Wrote was... Uh, Angela Lansbury winning the Emmy Award for Best Actress for about 27 years in a row <laughs> or, or Murder, She Wrote, like, winning for Best... And, like, I remember, like, starting to resent it growing up. I was like, why does this show keep fucking winning? I hate it when shows that I didn't watch, like, one shit because I had no 
I had no context to, to appreciate it. And that's um, why I don't like watching the Emmys as much as the Oscars, because it's really easy. Well, I mean, it's easy enough to watch a handful of Oscar movies, so you can ha- have some way in on how things turn out. With TV mm-hmm. shows, you can't commit to, like, 20 shows. No. Right? No one's got the time. You just got to hope so, the one that you love is yeah, getting Yeah, and attention. if it doesn't, I mean, what's the whole... You just wasted three hours. Yeah, yeah. Like, the fact that Buffy, I think, got one, like, writing nomination for hush i believe i think that was the only time it ever got nominated for any emmy which is just a crime that uh yeah. buffy got not what one day world that... we live in <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so in the interest of time to keep this podcast under seven hours um i will <laughs> i'll get to my my number five and then after that if you have any honorable mentions that you want to mention i, I i'll do the maybe same. that could be part two <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, so another, another, you know, seven more hours is talking about our honorable mentions. Um, so, so number five for me, and again, it's so funny because as I look at until not even, even when I made the list, I didn't make this connection, but now that, now that I've, I've done the list and we've talked about it, I think all of my shows have some, so some sort of social cultural and they're all sitcoms. Uh, resonance. Yeah. Yeah. All of them, all of them. And so this show I realize is no is no exception. It was 1988, so it's the, I mean it's the most recent of the shows on my list. All of, it's a it was an ABC show, and it's a show that it wasn't the first to do it, but it was sort of one in a, a long line of what TV has. Uh, one thing that TV loves, Liz Hersey, and you know this as well as anybody because you love TV like I do. TV loves nostalgia. They love looking back and uh, remembering times probably better than they actually were, um, and so. So for me, this was one of my just it, this, this show was just like I don't it, it was it was it was it was just it was like candy like I, I loved it so so very much and it was it was the Wonder Years okay and it was a, it was an ABC show and I remember clearly watching the pilot it was a Sunday evening and I felt like I had just watched the greatest thing that I that I'd ever seen but it was, it was like a pilot episode two didn't I don't think it came on right away I feel like it came on weeks later and we didn't get the TV guide or anything. So I never knew when anything came on unless I was already watching it. So eventually I had to kind of catch up with it again, but the wonder years it's uh, it's Kevin Arnold recalls growing up during the late sixties and early seventies, the turbulent social times make the transition from child to adult unusually interesting. So it was a show that uh, it took place. It was, it was, it was a nostalgia show that looked back at, uh, at the sixties. It was during the Vietnam era um, it, part, part of what it, one of my my favorite aspect of the show was I had a voiceover narrator. So in, in the exact same vein as uh, How I Met Your Mother, uh, the main character uh, played by Fred Savage, Kevin Arnold, you know, the show was narrated by adult Kevin looking back on his life growing up uh, in the in the 60s and 70s. And I remember like in the pilot episode, his um, his best friend, uh, the girl neighbor, uh, Winnie Cooper, her brother, he was like 18 and he got killed in, in Vietnam. And, and I remember as a kid kind of thinking to myself, like, n- not that it wasn't a big deal, but it's like, well, just, just thinking, well, I mean, well, of course he got killed. He went to war. Isn't that what happens to people who go to war? They get, they get killed. But then, you know, now I can, you know, much better appreciate, you know, if you're a kid and your brother goes to war and I, not only that, but he was 18 as a kid to me, 18 is like, well, he lived a life. He lived a life. You know what? Like he's gone now and we'll, we'll remember him, but he's 18. I mean, what else could he have done with his life? He did everything he could have done. He was 18 years old. 
Um, and so, so, the, so the first episode, so the pilot was a, a January thirty first, nineteen eighty eight. And you just you, you meet the characters, you meet Kevin, you meet his best friend Paul, you meet the the, the neighbor girl Winnie Cooper, who, to this day, she might be my the the the, the biggest and purest television crush I have is Winnie Cooper, and uh, and so and so part of what I loved about the Wonder Years, I don't I don't even think I totally appreciated that that the show took place in the '60s. I don't think I understood that it was a nostalgia show looking back at a at a previous generation. Um, but I was just, I was so convinced that the show was about me, that it was this, that Kevin, you know, uh, Fred Savage was this little brown hit, brown haired kid with, you know, wavy hair and uh, not as tall as everybody else. And, um, you know, had his, had his, had his good buddy and sort of was crushing on the neighbor girl, but it was sort of like this somewhat, it wasn't unrequited. Like, like the first episode they had, um, they, they, they shared their, their first kiss at the end of the episode, like in the woods, like at this, I think it was like on a tree swing or something similar to the Cosby show, my memory of it, like they were fucking macking down and he was about to get her pregnant at like 12 or 13. Rewatching it, it was actually a really sweet, uh, really sweet, you know, just peck of a kiss. But as a kid, I was like, fuck yeah, that's what I want to do with, with Winnie Cooper. Um, and so. Well, when you're a kid, uh, that's like home run in terms of yeah. the sexual base system is, is getting a make out, right? <laughs> And and so similar to Family Ties, this is a show that uh, I, I I introduced it to Chanel just a couple of years ago when it was on Netflix, and it just one hundred percent holds up. It is so sweet and so smart and so fucking good. And Chanel like loves it. We actually we need to we need to get back into it. Um and and in retrospect, one of the things that I kind of worked out as far as like having the like the voiceover narrator, um, I realized that so. I I don't know I don't know what the percentage is I wouldn't even dare try to like apply a percentage to it, but uh, so much of my what I love about writing and writing novels is is how much I loved hearing the voiceover narrator like tell a story and then you know seeing the story kind of unfold and that I think like you know like it's one of the reasons I love the, the Shawshank Redemption it's like my favorite movie it's part of uh, the huge part of what I love about it is uh, Morgan Freeman's you know voiceover narration of you know telling the story. So I, I think in so many ways, like when I'm writing one of my novels, I think I'm sort of unwittingly tapping into my love of like the Wonder Years and, and sort of having a narrator tell um, <laughs> some some story and how much I just love that. How much of a personal coup would it be for Morgan Freeman to read your novel like oh, out loud? God. That would be. Oh my god! I want him to narrate my life. That's that's exactly. In fact, you just you just unwittingly quoted my Amazon bio. <laughs> The, the the last line in my Amazon bio is I want Morgan Freeman to narrate my life. I that I don't even think I've no offense read your Amazon bio, so that's so funny <laughs> that we're I don't go on Amazon that often. Um, and uh, so with the Wonder Years for me, I've heard of it. I have no idea what it's about until now. Um, I and I knew who Fred Savage was, and I knew that he was because I was more aware of Ben Savage, his younger brother from Boys sure, of the World. Sure. And I knew that Fred Savage was a bigger star for some show, and, and apparently that's <laughs> what it is. And it's so yeah. funny that um, he's what I think we've talked about how when you aren't you're not on the train of this you know of the Wonder Years or whatever, and you see Fred Savage and something else, that's what you remember him for. So I remember him for two roles. The only two roles I've seen him in. One, Can I guess one? Yes. As the uh, the substitute teacher in Boy Meets World. Yes. Like really cool. The the guy who hit on Topanga. Yeah. That episode. And that was, I remember Boy Meets World was one of those shows that like kind of 
like you were talking about with family ties and Tom Hanks slapping Michael J. Fox. I'm just kind of fanning myself from all the sexual heat going on <laughs> now. But Boy Meets World was one of those shows where it was very funny and silly and his brother was so dumb and Sean was always getting him in trouble and, and all this stuff. But then it would just it would just get really fast in a hurry, like really serious in a hurry, right? Like mm-hmm. it was and this one episode was where he went into I think um yeah, Fred Sat he went into Topanga's dorm room and tried to hit on and, and tried to you know get lucky with her and i mean and Corey punched him i think if i recall the episode correctly and i i think it was less punching him for the sexual harassment and more of the fact that the show had been on the air for what eight years and he still hadn't had sex with panga <laughs> and now this jerk this cool teacher is gonna come in and and claim that that badge not on Corey's watch and so that's why i think he really punched him so he was a college professor right he wasn't a substitute I think, teacher i think he was yeah it was um I'm pretty sure that he was a college professor because I'm okay, because I mean sense. he went because he was alone with Topanga and I don't think it, that would have worked if it was in her house with when she lived with her parents. I'm pretty sure it was in a dorm because and I remember this was like this was when Boy Meets World was getting really serious. Like there was one character's father passed away and all this stuff, so it, it was definitely like a tonal shift of the show. And um, the other role I remember Fred Savage in is an episode of Law and Order SVU where he played a serial <laughs> rapist and he decided to because it part of the legal system you can you can defend yourself you can be your own lawyer and so he would cross examine his victims on the stand and just get in their head and um and so because he was doing the like part of his defense and doing these investigations the um the girls who he raped they wanted an order of protection from him and so this meant that they had to give him their addresses so he would know not to go there but he went there so and it was a really good episode and he punched olivia benson in the face the detective so (laughs) it's funny that you know he's this child star of the wonder years but i just know him as like the sick rapist sexually (laughs) teacher that's what i think of when i think of fred savage and i'm I'm getting a little hot just thinking about that i i was gonna say that's right up your alley yeah also right right before the wonder years fred savage (laughs) (laughs) Uh, literally and figuratively (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, yeah, you you went Fred Savage all up in your rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he he also it was right before the Wonder Years. He was also um, starred in the, the Princess Bride. What? Who was he in the Princess? Was he the kid at the beginning? He was the kid whose whose grandfather's reading in the story. Oh, That's Fred Savage. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's so funny that this is one of these iconic movies, and I just saw it in this past calendar year. Oh, right. I hope you I hope you loved it because if you don't, I don't know if we can ever. Oh, talk I again. loved it. I loved it. Thank goodness. Um, oh, what was I going to, oh, Fred Savage. Okay. Yeah. So Fred Savage, he, um, I know he still acts a little bit. He recently had a short, he had a sitcom on Fox with Rob Lowe that just got canceled. But, um, from what I heard, it was, it was very good, but, uh, outside of acting, he's actually developed a a really, really prolific career directing television shows. Oh, wow. His name turns up all the time. I see it, but like, like comedy. So the, the main one where he was like, his, he's, it seems like he's directed every episode. It seems is it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh right, right, right. If you ever watch that, his name comes up all the time. I've, I've seen it here and there. Yeah, it's uh, Chanel and I got into it a few months ago. It's it's awesome. I don't know what we were waiting for, uh, but it's great because there's like ten or eleven seasons, so it's like we have this never ending show that we can just binge on for hours at a time <laughs> and nowhere near the end of it. 
It's hilarious. You'll love it. It's right up your alley in terms of being like yeah, I remember, dark and inappropriate, but really smart. I loved it. I started watching it with an ex-boyfriend and we started watching it right before we broke up. So I didn't really go back to it because uh, for whatever reason in my head, I'm like, I'm not giving him the satisfaction. So, but I, I might just be punishing <laughs> myself, but that's pretty uh, Which is nothing new. Which nothing, is nothing new, new here. <laughs> Liz would punish herself, but still, you know, when enough time passes, do yourself a favor. It is, it is wonderful and uh that's our idea should we touch on the uh i i I think that you know they have what do they have a saying that they tell girls not to lose their virginity i'm like no one wants to buy the cow when you're giving out the milk for free so we're not going to give out any more fruit we just gave out like multiple cows that's so so that's we'll true. save a cow for next time. I yeah, Liz and I fucked enough cows for you guys in the in the last three hours. Okay, you're gonna have to go go jerk off your own cow until the next time Liz is on the show. Hashtag Nakoma Circle Jerk. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what, Liz. So so here's here's something that I think is worth noting. All of the shows that we mentioned, um, I, I suspect most, if not all of them, are available to own on Amazon.com. Ooh la la. Yeah. So for anybody who's listening who wants to join in on the fun, you can you you should go to Amazon.com and buy one, if not all of these shows on box it, or maybe maybe buy a series uh, on Amazon Prime. But before you do, first go to the official website of this podcast, which you'll find at martinlestrapshow.com. Go to the shop page, click on the Amazon banner. That's gonna take you to Amazon, do all the shopping you were gonna do otherwise, including buying box sets of Sabrina the Teenage Witch and the Wonder Years and the Cosby Show. And uh, even though, listen, maybe maybe Cosby was was, uh, pulling the old Cosby cocktail while he was filming it, it doesn't make the show any less special to to, to Martin. And don't you want to get on what this whole pop culture thing is about? I mean, Seriously, seriously. And because you did your shopping through the website, Amazon intern will kick kick back a few pennies our way which allows us to make the Martinless Trap Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you, which is what we strive to do week after week after week. And it also allows us to keep the show alive, which which means we get to bring back Liz for episodes like this. <laughs> um, also, if you're not already subscribed to the show, you can do so on iTunes. Uh, it is absolutely free, and uh, and 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 it's it's free. It is my pleasure to give you the show for free. Uh, Liz, when she's not on the show, uh, listens to the show because um, she. I think she's always waiting to hear her name because it comes up often. But also, I think Liz genuinely enjoys the show when she's not on it. Is that that's absolutely true? But it is quite a titillating treat when I'm just listening because I love the show and there, there's a Liz bomb that's dropped. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so iTunes, it's free, but if you're not an iTunes listener, because not everybody is, you can also catch the show on Stitcher Radio, which is also free. You can find that at stitcher.com. And if neither one of those options does it for you, then you can always listen the old-fashioned way at martinlestrapshow.com, where all 124 episodes are available to you. And starting next week, all 125 episodes will be available. And the math just goes on and on and on from there. <laughs> Uh, God, did we not, is there anything we didn't cover? I don't think that's possible. I think, uh, <laughs> Except for our mystery shows that it's, it's a little anticlimactic. Here are the shows that didn't quite make the top five, <laughs> but that, that's another podcast for another day. That'll be another, that, that'll be a, that'll be the follow-up of, uh, um, in fact, you know what here, here, okay, let me see. Can we make this work? Here's what I'm thinking. I, I said, I was going to bring you back for episode 127 because, uh, cause you made a reference about, uh, having to cut off a, an arm, which was in reference to the movie 127 Hours, right? 
that it was. Um, it's not that you can't be back for episode 127, but what if, or maybe that's the one. At some, here, there's so many things to talk about. I don't even know. I don't even. I don't even. I don't even know if it makes sense to try to plan ahead uh, when you know we're just gonna we're gonna talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about anyway. Mm-hmm. What we'll is in the very very near future? We'll bring you back very very soon, and we can have a nice follow up to this one, and we can talk about our 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 honorable mentions who didn't make the <laughs> list, and we can, and we can even talk about why they almost made the list, and we can also talk about ultimately why they didn't make the list, who who was right on the, the cusp that got booted out. Um, but yeah, you know what? The more I talk about it, the more I'm enjoying this idea. I kind of enjoy it, too. Like, if I could t- talk about more TV shows, I'm happier than, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm running out of gas with the raunchy references, but <laughs> choose your own adventure, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I feel I feel like episode one twenty seven. I feel like we've already kind of set the expectation that you'll be back for episode one twenty seven. Is that too far away? Yes. Good. Okay. Good. Mike and I I can fit it in my schedule. After all, I mean, I I actually don't have a LinkedIn page, but I did make you a promise that if I got one, I would put at the top (laughs) official contributor to the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, and I have to take my duties seriously. I'm 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 so glad you remembered that part because I I technically forgot that if you ever got a page, I would have (laughs) remembered. I would have remembered that. Uh, okay, well, I think uh, I, we've we've probably talked enough here. I guess this is. <laughs> I guess we can go ahead and and wrap up episode number one hundred and twenty four. Liz, uh, just every time we sit down to talk, like I, there's a part of me that thinks there's no way we're going to go for three hours. I mean, there's <laughs> no way we've we've clearly. You know, we we we've run out of gas there, right? We we've busted that nut. Now we're just going to have a normal conversation and yet here we are finding a way to talk for another three hours <laughs> effortlessly effort we're not trying to do this you guys uh in fact i think there was some part in both of our heads of like we could make this a reasonable hour and 15 minute episode i was even thinking of timing it that each show we talked about got 10 minutes therefore but with that and the banter before and after that would be an hour but then i was yeah. like i don't want to crush our creative spirit yeah. So, and I mean, that creative spirit just jizzed all over every wall ever. Yeah. yeah. Just, just filling the belly buttons of everybody's ears. Oh, that's the worst. But that's, that's for another <laughs> podcast. I think that's the appropriate note to end this episode on. Should we so plug thank our you. shit first? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> so should we plug our shit? Oh yeah, do you, do you have shit to plug? Yeah, well, I mean, just my usual. Like, I mean, I'm sure I'm. Do it. Most uh, listen, I, 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 I was, I, I was the host that was not being polite there. Absolutely, plug all of your. And I, I'm the whore who's just going to take all the glory I can get. No, no, no. That's the, the part of being a contributor is you have it is your right as a contributor to plug anything you want on the show. I, I completely forgot. Yeah. Go so for it. if I'm new to the listeners, and if hopefully you are still listening to this three-hour podcast, um, the reason why I know Martin is because of our mutual love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I blog about it on my website, thelizchannel.blogspot.com. And I'm always down to mix it up on Twitter and talk Buffy or any of these shows or Eric Nagler in the van or whatever. So you can hit me up on Twitter at Liz Ann Hersey. And um, you can also find me on Instagram with that handle, which I just got recently. So I'm still working my way around that. But yeah, follow me and make me feel famous. Yeah, do it. Uh, Liz is on Twitter often and she's always uh, always has something amusing. If you can't tell, uh, there's always something interesting coming out of Liz's mouth. 
and uh, and sometimes it finds its way into Twitter <laughs> in 140 characters or less. Um, and, and, and of course, check out Liz's website, because as she said, that's the first place that I discovered it was her website, The Liz Channel. It's outstanding, especially if you're a Buffy fan, it's outstanding, because it's Liz... I mean, she puts a lot of work into it and going into, into tremendous detail. So if you love Buffy, there's no reason you shouldn't be going to, to Liz's website, the Liz channel. You, you'll you'll thank both of us for it. But Liz for Liz for doing it, but me for telling you to, that you should go check it out. Uh, let's see. Uh, anything else? Again, I don't I don't want to because anything that you're working on that we should be aware of, such as uh, a podcast. <laughs> it's it's coming. It's in the works. But yeah. OK, keep, good. Keep the pressure on, folks. So, yeah, just. Tweet me, um, comment on my Instagram photos. You shouldn't be taking these pictures. You should be working on your podcast. Yeah, anything, because <laughs> that'll that'll get me going. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, Liz. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure, as it always is. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again on episode 127, because that's set in stone, and we will uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the 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 near misses and honorable mentions to the list that we just spent three hours talking about. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Love it. All right, everybody. Well, until next time, I will see you on the other side. Later. Cunts.